There are a thousand UFO sightings reported around the world every month. 90% of these sightings can be explained, but 10% cannot. Officially and unofficially, the U.S. military has been investigating UFOs since 1947. Their top secret goal is to find out what's behind these unexplained sightings. The Pentagon classifies them as unusual airborne anomalies, but a better term is X-Files. Join us now as Mac Wanwan and Commander Cobra explore these unsolved cases, UFO incidents that baffle even the U.S. military. This is Mac Maloney's Military X-Files. And now, here's Mac Maloney. Well, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Mac Maloney's Miltrack Style Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. What a show we have for you tonight. We're going to be playing some Jeopardy music because later on in the show, we're going to have our first edition of World War II Trivia Contest. Okay, four of us are going to be playing for a lucky fan out there. And um, the prize is a very exclusive um, risk in Europe, European risk. And uh, it's so exclusive that the um, people who are donating to the show... Uh, emailed me today and said that the board itself was 11 pounds. Okay, so that's how it's kind of made out of teak. I don't know. I don't know what's in there. So, but anyway, well, where's my shades here, dude? Hang on. <laughs> anyway, girls, so get ready. Here's the time that you've been waiting for. Okay, I'm looking over at him, and it's like I'm looking in the mirror. Now, you know, you, now, you, now you're dressing like, like me. We're like, like we're like Ike and Mike. We're okay. like twins. Okay. Uh, girls, sit down. Get your fans. Get your misters. Get your fans. As we know, up in Canada, they all get their fans. They do. Know, they carry them around with them. Right. Okay. Uh, because a very famous one wants you. Hello, Mac. Hello, girls. How's everything going? Happy to be here. Happy to see you all. Because we're on Zoom here. We are on Zoom. Most of us, anyway. No. Okay. Um, so but anyway, you're looking good. How's the, who is? Yeah, you're looking good. Me? Yeah. That's the first time you've said that yeah. in like eight yeah. years. How come? What do I owe you? I don't know, it's sparkling in your eye, even through the through the shades. <laughs> wow. Okay. Stay over six feet. Six feet. <laughs> anyway. Uh, hey, listen, middle-aged ladies, you're in luck because uh, up there in his bunker slash compound uh, in the great state of Maine is uh, Commander Cobra is with us. Coco on the streets. Coco, how you doing? CC. What? There he is. Hey, Mac, as always, a privilege to join the formation and be part of the uh, the great array, which is Mac Maloney's military okay. X-Files on huh. the Distant Thunder Radio Network. Wow. wow. CC. Hey, listen, what's your, what are those, your bedspreads hanging up on your wall behind there? It looks like uh, airplanes on your room. Uh... That is the F-35 uh, completing a loop behind us oh. tonight. Did it crash or no? Did it, he said completing it did a loop. It did not crash. Okay. Speaking of a loop, wow, by the time we, you know the, what we say. We the pilot, Coco. Right, here we go. Yeah. Listen. We, who's the pilot? He doesn't know. They're anonymous. Uh, I don't know one one. Right. He doesn't know everybody. Just because he's a pilot doesn't mean all pilots know each other. <laughs> Coco knows everybody. Commander, how much, how much did that loop cost? Was it less than a half a trillion? Who is this? It, right. uh, hey, cost, listen. Uh, looking at that maneuver at the present cost per hour, it cost about uh, probably $200 to do yeah, that. Wait till, wait till you're introduced, Dax, okay? In the meantime, go kick the kids off your lawn. You know what I mean? Look it. Up there. In, uh, where the heck is he? Up in Michigan? Yeah. Up north. Up north. Up by the Battle Creek. Battle, Battle, Battle Creek. Creek of the Republic. All right. Our national correspondent, Switchblade, Steve Woods. The land of flakes. The land of flakes. Switchy, how and you doing? snap, crackle, pop. Right. How are you? I'm I'm pretty good. Pretty good. Okay. Actually, uh, more specifically, I'm beyond wonderful. Okay, okay. Boy, if you didn't say that, then I knew things would be, you know. Good <laughs> to see a switch. You do look wonderful. Go wrong tonight. Does he? Yeah. yeah. Does he look wonderful? Looks fabulous. Does he? 
How much how much email do you get when he doesn't do the Beyond Wonderful? Oh, Richie gets almost as much email as Rafe. So anyway, speaking of Rafe, up there in uh, almost as much. What's I don't know why I have to triangulate you, other than it sounds dirty. <laughs> Raven up there in upstate New York. How are you doing tonight, Raven? Hello, my friends. I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> uh, we're doing great. We're doing better now. Let me ask you something though. Do you have a new hairdo? There's a, there's a new look going on here, or it's, is it just me? It's just a no. It's just a it's just a bun. A bun. It was, it's like humid here today, so I couldn't wear my humid. signature hat. Interesting. Okay. Right. No, yeah, you it's have like incense, uh, that incense in behind you, or is the uh, studio there on fire where you're at? That's, that's it's incense. just incense. <laughs> we asked you that question. I'm picking up the vibe. That's, that's, Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's good. Uh, so let me introduce X before he goes. Max right. favorite incense is number six incense. That's Max favorite incense. Actually, it's now number three, but that's another show. Um, up there number somewhere, six. we don't know where, uh, is uh, Agent X, the man who worked for the agency that worked for the agencies. X, how you doing? Uh, not quite as well as um, Switchblade, but I'm hanging in there doing pretty well. Really? Yeah. And okay. thanks for having me. And hello to all the teammates. Hello, X. Good to see you. I won't say beyond wonderful, just plain old wonderful. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then, you know, he's, uh, he's some kind of wonderful. So listen, I just want to ask Raven this, and then we're going to go to Switchy and see what he has for breakfast. Hey, Raven, listen now. Would you, well, I don't want to offend anyone. Would you uh, date someone, a man who had a bun? No. Yes, no. yes, yes. Thanks. No. Okay. Because Switchy yeah, used to have a bun. He used, Switchy just, used to have one. It's and awful. It's I hate awful. it. Yeah. Thank okay. You. Now don't be maligning me. This, this is <laughs> okay. fake news. <laughs> he used to have a mullet and, uh, you know. In the 80s, I had tail. a tail. No. A mullet is a different story. A mullet is a different story. A man bun is an absolute yeah. no. You don't a know. mullet? <laughs> we're, yeah, we're talking. Sure. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Wow. Another look into your life. Hang on. What did you say you liked? I had a tail. You had a tail? Yeah, it's like a... Like a rat tail? Sh- shortest, oh, a rat tail? Yeah, like that. But it was... Uh, what do you call it? Uh, twisted. What do you call that? Well, like a pigtail. Yeah, yeah. yeah so call it what it is there, It's a tail. It's yeah. a tail. Okay. Right. Kind of short hair, but the tail is long. Really? Yeah? Did yeah. you get a lot of chicks? I didn't, change, I didn't give it a different color or anything. Okay. Did you get a lot of... Which, it, would, a lot well, of it was happening, yeah. It was happening, it was. really. I, it was happening. It was happening, man. Well, there's a time for everything. Wowee. Okay. Is there any chance you'll ever grow that back? Or? More, more fake uh, news, I think. I, I miss it. Zeppelin just wants you to know that he doesn't appreciate the pigtail remark. Uh, oh, yeah. See now? <laughs> <laughs> wow. You're right. We don't want to get into the animals too soon. But listen, we got to do two things. First of all, we're going to have the uh, World War II trivia contest coming up after the break. But first, we have to go to Switchy and ask Switchy, the uh, most requested, the most listened to part of the show. Wow. What did Switch have for breakfast today? Switch, please. Don't let us down, please. This morning... I had a piece of lemon cake, mm. lemon cake with lemon frosting. Oh, yes. And it was delicious. <clears throat> was it, it real was, lemon or was that Remember Snuffles fake from stuff? the cartoons when he would get the biscuit, he would kind of float to the ceiling? Yes. I find myself kind of floating a little bit to the ceiling. Really? You sure that was powdered off, sugar? Off the floor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no one was. Uh, What's that? No one was pranking you. Was it really powdered sugar? No one was there to witness it. Okay, good. Because when he used to do that in the cartoon, what they were really, you know, be, you know what I mean? What they're hinting is, is that he's, you know, starting blow. But anyway, I don't want <laughs> to say that. Hint? Yes, right. Didn't switch it. Wow. What a perspective you have. Man. Listen. Okay, so that's it. That's it, Switch? The lemon cake? Well, hot black coffee. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no bacon yeah. or anything. Okay, all right. Okay, good. That's good. That's good. No, that's... You don't need... Wait, you have lemon cake with lemon <laughs> yeah. frosting. You don't need bacon. <laughs> you don't need sausage. You don't need uh, scrambled that's eggs. That's right. You okay. All right, good. Switchy's cookbook. He's plant, you might need another piece of cake. Another piece of cake. Today, another piece of cake. Uh, Were there any around? <laughs> Is there any left? <laughs> Oh, there's there's some left. Yeah. Really? Okay, good for you. All right. So you keep some 
handy for later on. Well, listen, while we're talking about you and your breakfast, I don't know why, but <clears throat> this idea came to me somewhere, probably around 3 a.m., and here we go. Top five things Switch would have for breakfast if he lived in ancient Rome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ready? I better say that again. Top five things Switch would have for breakfast if he lived in ancient Rome. Okay, you get the bit there, JJ? Got, got it. it. Okay, yeah. Yeah. okay. So let's go. Raven, you have the list. Please. I have the list. Number five. Let's go. Number five is spaghetti and goat's balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Yes, right? Yeah. When you're in Italy, when you're in Rome, those the Romans. Okay, number four. Wow. Um, <laughs> number four, please. The uh, What switch would have for breakfast if you lived in ancient Rome? Number four is a heaping bowl of Frostifus flacus. <laughs> okay. Oh. okay. I'm counting that's, on you. That's a, that's a Latin version. So, exactly. I, I get it. That's Latin, right? That's yeah. right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. All right. I don't know. I might have just summoned a demon. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Is no, that what it was? We'll All right, let's out. go to number three then, that please. Happens. <laughs> it funny number three there. is oh, Mac. I can't read. Two Pop-Tarticus. <laughs> Two Pop-Tarticus. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm Pop-Tarticus. You know that? Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah, I am Pop-Tarticus. I'm Pop-Tarticus. Okay, please. Number two, please, Raven. Number two, mouse pancakes. Mouse well, pancakes. Oh, mouse pancakes. <laughs> now, listen. Now, let me tell you something about mouse pancakes. So I'm trying to think up. I can't think of 10 things that he's going to eat way back then. So I go on. I Google. I'm, I'm really disappointed we couldn't do 10. What, what did ancient Romans eat for breakfast, okay? Google. And they, have the, they used to eat mouse pancakes pancakes and what they used to put mice in a lot of their food i know it sounds crazy they would catch them oh they would they would God. cook them they would crunch them up and they put them in everything and they would have mice pancakes okay that isn't sickening sickening enough and I'm, i get a feeling coco might know this there's a sauce that the ancient romans used to use and it's called like i don't know gala or something it has some weird weird name and it's made out of fish intestines oh, uh, lambs what is it lovely Oh, fish I thought, yeah, it's fish almost like the name of it. Fish intestines. Uh, lamb's, lamb's blood, blood sure. and then a whole mix of all this, you know, stuff. The and, la and lamb's blood's the holy part of it. And then they would they would, they would would make it into a liquid, and they would pour it on everything. Every meal of the day. It was mm -hmm. the most grotesque stuff anyway, so. I really um, thought you were going to say for the most pancakes, it was uh -huh. going to be a mole sauce. It seemed like to be obvious to me. But... Okay, yeah. well, mole sauce. Oh, mole, okay, mole. It's called mole there, I think, Cece. No? Are you talking Mexican now? I'm from Chelsea. We called it oh, mole sauce. Okay, all right, that... Now I understand. Okay, let's uh, get out of this quick. So we're at the last one, I think. We're at the last one. Yes. Go. I'm about to butcher this. Uh -oh. <laughs> no, you can't do any worse. <laughs> two jellicus. <laughs> two jellicus donuts and a cup of negro capillus. Bebendum. Like a like a jerk. I don't like the word. Yeah, I know, I, I'm I don't sorry. Like, like a jerk. That is Latin for. <laughs> Uh, a heaping, what is it? A heaping cup of black coffee. Drink it like a man, in Latin. Drink it like a man. Oh, okay. Try it again. Wait, I figured it was jelly donut. Try it again. Go ahead. Raven, say it again. Say it again. I, I, I follow Latin. I want to hear you say that again. We got to put all this down. Go ahead. Who ever gave this to you? Go ahead. Okay. Two jellicus donuts and a cup of negro capulus. Bibendum like a jerk. Oh, okay, she's leaving out the last word, but that's good. Oh, is that actually Latin? Yes, that's the Latin word for man. You want to do it another time? Let's go. Okay, one, one more time. time. Here we that's go. It, that's it. That's it. Okay. I want go. you to know that this is costing us more than the F20 oh, or F35 going to loop at this point. So this is what the number one thing. It? The number one thing that uh, Switch would eat for breakfast if Switch lived in ancient Rome. Okay. 
two Jellicus donuts, donuts, and a cup of Negro <laughs> donuts, and a cup of Negro Capillas Babendum like a. <laughs> wow. We, we just put that in to bleep it. Almost man, yeah, so it took it like right. a man. There you go. Exactly. Thank you, Switch. <laughs> what do you say there? Hey, Latin- be afraid of the language. Hey, Latin. I've known uh, illegitimate carborundum. Exactly. Never let the pastors get you down. Switch. Right. Hey, X, did she pass the test? She passed her Latin test? No, she did fine. Whoever gave her that phrase oh. was hosed. Well, this, is, this is the same show upon which I was excoriated mm. for saying Big words. radix molorum est cupiditas, yes. which is proper Latin, okay. Raven, and it means the root of all evil is greed. Uh, I like that. Wow, so do I. We should put that on a t-shirt. Mac and I both learned that we were, when we were in fifth grade. He has no idea about it anymore. Getting slapped around by the nuns, <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> that I, I also like to add that uh, the sidekick says that he's very happy he did not use pig Latin. Always dragging the pig into this. Well done. It's, it's serious. Though. We okay. don't want to get Zeppelin uh, feeling bad for himself. No, we don't want that. We don't want a depressed pig. Yeah. They probably don't so, taste that good. Definitely. Look, so we're going to do the... <laughs> sorry, Raven. <laughs> she just got the... Uh, we're going to do the uh, World War II trivia quest, uh, contest tonight, okay? And um, four of us are going to be playing uh, for a lucky listener, and the winner uh, is going to get a uh, a classic, kind of one-of-a-kind, unusual, unique Risk in Europe only. If you're familiar with the game Risk, you take over the entire world. This one, you... Um, you take over, take over Europe, you know, and and it weighs a lot, is what I've heard, you know, yeah. which is kind of cool yeah. too, I guess. So uh, we're going to be doing that when we uh, come back from break. So you're listening to Mac Maloney's Milk Tracks Now Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Milk Track Style Show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Mac Maloney. What a show we have for you tonight. We have World War II Trivia Contest, our first show doing that. Let me very quickly introduce the members of the Posse Girls. The very famous Wawa is here. Hello, Mac. How are you? Also, uh, Commander Cobra is here up there in Maine, his compound, Coco. Hey, on the wing, Mac. On the wing. On the wing. The chicken wing. Okay, up there in Battle Creek, Michigan, ate a piece of lemon cake today for breakfast. Our national correspondent, Switchblade Steve Ward. And I'm just just out of uh, a hearing range of the snap, crackle, pop. Really? Yeah. Okay. Also put that on a T-shirt. Making us all look good is our good friend Raven. Raven, how are you tonight? Hello, hello. How are you? Tonight, Raven has a bun. I think that'd be the name of the show, the title of the show. I have to title the show every you know week. I like it's kind of it's kind of samurai-ish. Samurai-ish. Raven has a bun. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I I was gonna say that would be a top knot, but a top. Yeah, for real. And now, now we're, going, we're going down a road we don't want to go through. Listen, let's talk about buns. Uh, Agent said X. Samurai. That's, what, that's, that's how they wore their hair. Top knot. Agent X. Agent X. Agent X is a samurai. I bet she has a. You, you, you've had a bun in your life. You probably have one now, do you? Agent X. You used to work with the agency that works with the agency. You, you, you know me, Mac. I've never had a bun. Thank you. I never would. Okay. Thanks for having me, and it's great to see the crew here. Okay. Thank you very much, X, for joining us. Uh, Phil O'Banes, a good friend who is the um, past president, emeritus. I'm not sure exactly what his title is, but it's way up there in the food chain. Winning Moves, a game board company. They do the risk. They do certain kinds of monopoly. They're the people who sell Rubik's Cubes. Sorry. Shoots and ladders, the works. Phil, how are you doing tonight, Phil? I am excellent. It's wonderful to be here. Okay. Good to see you, Phil. With an illustrious company. 
Thank accompanying you. you. Thank you. How's things with you down there where all the rich people live in Magnolia, Massachusetts? I don't know. We're wet like I'm sure you are. Oh, really? Okay. All right. Well, we all get wet. Wow. No matter, no matter how, wow. Just kind of, of threw that one right yeah, out there. Yeah. Just, you know, not uh, even. Just move on. Don't even build up. Just bam. <laughs> bam. Also. In your face. Speaking of bam. <laughs> speaking of bam. Out there. And he's in the Central Time Zone now. Bill Ray, our good friend Bill Ray. Bill, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. Living the dream. Okay. He's living the dream. He, Bill, at one point, actually ran the Army's remote viewing um, department, department, department <laughs> or whatever. All right. You actually ran it for the Army. Yeah. For how many years did you run that for them? I was there for three and a half, the first uh, first year and a half as a viewer, and the last two years, year and a half as a uh, viewer and as the commander. Of okay. The so you're a viewer, too. Can you can you tell us, is this, is this, is this show going to be the disaster we think it's going to be? Or do you... <laughs> What do you see in the future for this show? <laughs> right. I would expect nothing less, and I'd like to comment on Agent X. Yes. I never knew him with a bun, but I, he did have a mullet. He did have well, we we were into oh, mullets. We as were a just thing. talking yeah. about mullets. Yeah. Yeah. So you I, the, I will freely admit, I have. that's because Mr. Ray remote viewed us before we brought him out of right. the green room. He, he knows knew. everything we said. Come on, don't be amazed at this. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. Oh, he's going to win the show. I know that you knew that I was going to say that. And I knew you knew I knew. He knew the question. What am I holding in my hand, Ray? Uh-oh. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. We're a radio show, but we can't do that. Well, listen. No. <laughs> All right, look. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to be at, to World War II Trivia tonight. Four of us are going to play. Phil is going to be our MC. He's going to be Al Strebeck tonight, RIP. And um, we're going to, uh, the four of us are going to uh, answer 10 questions. And then the top two of the uh, first round will go into the second round. And then they'll play against each other. Whoever wins, wins a um, prize for a lucky um, fan. Um, Phil, tell us about the prize a little bit, because I've been goofing it up for a couple I wonder who the fan is. Also. There it is. Can you see the prize here? Yes. Radio. This it. is five yeah. pounds worth of game called Risk Europe. It's a um, medieval mm -hmm. tactical strategy game uh, set, obviously, in Europe with scads of pieces, yeah. lots of intrigue. Mm -hmm. It's a much richer and more involved game than its... Uh, predecessor, okay. Risk 1959, uh, and this is going to be awarded, Mac tells me, to a lucky listener. Right. So uh, so the four of us are going to is play. He, is he going to autograph it, too? You're going to have, you'll autograph it, Phil, right? I can autograph it okay. before it goes oh, out. we can sure. forge our I'll be shipping it. Okay, right. Okay. So the moment you give me the name and address, it will be processed. Okay. Uh, so, Phil, Phil, just just a quick story because it's directly re relevant to this. I hope so. Bill probably doesn't know this. But on the other hand, he knows everything. Uh, for two, for a number of months, three months during the Cold War, I was the U.S. liaison officer to the Second German Corps. Yes. So I hung out pretty much full time with the Germans. Cool. Go ahead. And at night, when we weren't in the field, and we weren't in a ghost house. Go ahead. Um, we would play Risk. But it was called, it didn't look at all like what you just showed. It was called Risiko. Risiko, right. Mm -hmm. Risiko. Right. And the Germans loved Love that it. game. Wow. Right. Huh. I don't remember if it was just Europe, but I think you're right. No, it's, it was, I think they it was, loved it because you were there with a the mullet. And that's yeah. what made Risiko. <laughs> and they can so take over exciting. the world. No, no, no. I had proper high and tight back then. It was, okay. a, okay. it was kind of mullet status. Just a <laughs> 10 second interruption, but that game was uh, difficult. To license to Germany because 
after the war, they permitted no war games to be produced in their country. Wow. So it had to be sort of finagled in around that restriction. Wow. Okay. Visible. Okay. So, all right. Now, have I introduced everyone? Have I given the rules? Okay. So, uh, Phil, I'm going to turn it over to you. Why don't we start the Jeopardy music now? Phil, please, our MC. Just so you know, a lot of the answers tonight are numerical. Okay. Okay. And whoever comes closest to the actual answer scores. So, for example, if the actual answer happens to be 10 and someone guesses 12 and they're the closest, they're going to get the point. Okay. Uh, you don't have to be under like in price and right. Okay. I was assured there'd be no math on this. Me too. <laughs> me too. This is, this is news to me. <laughs> okay. It's very simple math. Okay. Well, still, still. No quadratic equations. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. Go ahead, Phil, please. So we're I'm gonna, ready to go. Okay. We're going to do the, the, the music playing? Or? Yes. We get the music playing now and we should introduce the contestants. In this All right. Well, welcome to the to Mac Maloney's first World War II quiz uh, tonight. We have four outstanding players whose knowledge I think will sparkle. Uh, we begin with Commander Cobra, who was calling in from a secret location in Maine. Uh, in ten words or less, just tell us what we should know about you. <laughs> no way, Cobra. Ten words. I like uh, I like dogs, cats, all animals. You're over Long time. walks on the beach. <laughs> nice. Okay. Excellent. Okay. Now, 20. next on our uh, panel is Agent X, who is also calling in from a secret location, uh, which might be in New Hampshire or maybe not. Uh, but Agent X, what would you like to say in just a few words? Just, I like to try to be a nice guy, and I'm also wicked good looking. Okay. <laughs> 17 With words. Go ahead. The yes. <laughs> All right. Go ahead. I like that. Third, we have Bill Ray who I believe is in a non-secret location in, is it Minnesota tonight? Uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Same. Wisconsin. Same thing. Same I didn't get that right. All right. I got that question wrong, everybody. Okay. <laughs> All right. right, Wisconsin. Yes. What well, would you like I to just tell like, me? Just like to say, if, uh, if Agent X is good looking, the bar is set very low for the rest oh, of wow. us. Oh, wow. That hurts. <laughs> I, 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 I would like to pass on some words of wisdom my father gave me. Go ahead. And that is, he told me, uh, he said, Bill, never marry a girl who carries a meat cleaver in her purse. See, that's, man, I'll tell you, I wish my father passed well, on words of wisdom but, like that to me. Well, well, Max, so much for the band of brothers. Yeah, before huh? it's yeah, too late, that's, yes. That's good. I, the band of brothers. I wish I had that learned. When I, uh, <laughs> okay. All right, finally, we have... Mac Maloney, our host, who's live from WXEX Studio in Exeter, New Hampshire, the home of the UFO abductions. And beside from that, anything else you would like to add, Mac? No, it's just an honor to be here with the uh, these other people. And that was nine words. Go ahead. Great. Sounded oh, genuine, Mac. Sounded really genuine. <laughs> yes. I was Mac, limited. Like long walks on the beach? Yes, I yeah. do, but I had ten words. You know, sincerity is the most important thing in life. If you can fake that, you haven't made it. I'll tell you, this okay, guy, so he, he's, he's how... our guru. Go ahead. Here Coming we go. from a remote viewer, that means a lot. Yes. <laughs> okay, now there's a couple of precautions here. Yes. I am going to read each question, and I'm going to give you 20 seconds of solitude to write down your answer. Please don't say what you're thinking because we don't want to influence uh, your uh, fellow players. Okay. Uh, after the 20 seconds is up, I'll call you in a random order, and I will record your answer. And then having the answers... Uh, all established i'll tell you the correct answer yes and typically i'm going to add a little bit of insight to make the question and answer a bit more uh 
compelling. Colorful, let's say, or uh, complete. Someone keeps score. All right, so, so are we ready for the yes. first question? Okay, Raven, you're going to keep score, right, Raven? Max? Okay. All right, here we go. I'm, I'm oh, gonna... I, I just have to ask. This sounds more complicated than the earlier math okay. challenge. <laughs> we, we write it down. What do we hold up the paper and show it to you? Is All right. That... No, you're gonna you're gonna you're we're gonna, gonna read it. I hope uh, <clears throat> trust you on the honor system Thanks. to read what you wrote down. Figures. So each of you okay. has a piece of paper yes. and a pen, right? It's with trustworthy X. Okay? okay. He trips on the right. honesty of the. And thing. have you written the numbers one to ten in a column on the left? Go ahead. No. <laughs> okay, well, please do that because you're going to be providing your answers next to the appropriate number. Okay. Are you glad you're not playing that one? We can try this at home. This is yeah, right. Okay. All right, let's go. All right. I'm glad I asked for clarification. Right. Yeah. Thank you. I'm amazed you have well, a Well, let me know when everybody is, everybody is ready, and I'll start with question one. Okay, I'm ready. Coco, are you ready? Ready. I'm ready. Born ready, Mac. Born ready. Here we go. Okay. <laughs> question one. Now, pay attention. Okay. This one, uh, you have to really listen to this one. How many times did the big three, Franklin Roosevelt, Winston Churchill, and Joseph Stalin, meet during World War II? How many times did the big three, Roosevelt, Churchill, and Stalin, meet during the war? So it's a numerical answer. Just write the number down that you believe is correct. And in a few seconds, I'll come back and we'll reveal them. Okay. Is everybody ready? Everyone ready? Yep. Okay. Let's start with Agent X. What do you say? I say two times. Potsdam and Malta. Okay. Bill Ray? Two twice. Twice. Same okay. place. Mac? Twice. Cobra. No, he suddenly lost his voice. He lost. Where's Cobra? Unmute your unmute. I said three. Three. Because I believe that there was a third meeting um in uh, the Middle East. After, okay, and I well, after the war, though. Yeah, here's the answer. Uh, most of you got this right. They, the big three, actually met twice at Tehran in uh, no late November of '43 and Yalta in February of '45. Now there was another big three meeting in Potsdam, Germany, but it came after the war and after FDR died. Okay. So he could not have been there. The third, the big but two it was and a half. Truman, and it was after the war in July of '45. Okay. So. That's this right. question, yeah. okay. scored. Okay. Cobra can catch up, though. Okay. All right. Next question is a uh, is a verbal answer. Okay. And the question is this: In 1929, what was 17-year-old Eva Braun doing when Adolf Hitler met her for the first time? In 1929, what was 17-year-old Eva Braun doing when Hitler met her? Okay, I've written down my answer. I've rung in. They're writing a long time, these two. Go ahead. Everyone ready? Okay. Does everybody have an answer written down? Yes. I, I, okay. I do, but I didn't think it was going to be a romance. Mac, what do you say, Mac? Go, you go first this time. I think she was a photo model, like a model. Okay. Okay. And uh, Bill Ray, what do you say? I said actress. Actress. Okay. Cobra? Actress. Actress. And finally, Agent X. I, I, I knew that stuff about the model and the actress, but you asked, what was she doing? Right. I said, well, there was Wolf Flowers. No, no. What, what was her activity? What was her she doing? Her occupation. Okay. I thought, what was she physically doing? I said, no, no. Well, that's, that's, another... that's all right. Why do you think it's dirty? Filthy. 
Go ahead, please. What, what, what do you think? Yeah, what is the answer? Hey, what, what, he's, what's he saying? Actually, you have an answer? Or you? What she was doing, I think was picking... Well, you didn't say that. Okay. So wow. I think it was picking flowers. Okay, go ahead, please. Sure. What's the correct answer? If it's picking flowers, I'm okay. going to go nuts. The correct answer is she was a photographer's assistant and model <sighs> for Heinrich Hoffman, Hitler's Mackie. personal photographer. Mackie, Mackie. So on this one, Mac alone scores. Okay. Okay. All right, you in the lead with two points. All you cheerleaders want to come over okay. to my side now? Go ahead. Yeah. Question three is, again, a number. How many crew members were there in a B-17 bomber on its mission? Okay. Are we showing our How many our guys climbed inside a B-17 and flew over Germany to drop its bombs? Okay. I'm, I'm ready. Sorry. You're going to have to play a fortune to Jeopardy for the music. Go ahead. Everybody set? Yes. Okay, Agent Agent X, what would you say? How many people in the B-17? I was going to go, go throw it in my head, but I'm going to guess nine. Nine. Bill Ray. Nine. You also say nine? Nine, yes. Okay, Mac? Eleven. Cobra? Eleven. Well, nobody got the correct answer, oh. but you all score because the correct ten. answer is ten. Ten, huh? Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. So everybody gets a point for that one, which is pretty cool. Um, I can tell you that by contrast, the B-52 nowadays has a crew of five. Mm -hmm. The uh, supersonic B-1 has a crew of four. And the stealth bomber, the B-2, amazingly, yeah. only has a crew of two. Two, yeah, yeah. You know what's uh, funny? Which is pretty about amazing, considering that can fly for hours and hours and hours. About the B-2. Uh, the is... reason why the B-17 okay. had such a big crew was that it, oh, just about half of them were gunners only. Right. Which are no longer right. on bombers. In the, in the... Okay. Okay, okay, so now... We move on to question four, okay. which again is a, this is a verbal answer. All right. It's for a very simple question. Yes. Who was codenamed Intrepid? Probably heard many times about someone codenamed Intrepid. Well, what was his real name? Okay. okay. Does everybody have a guess? Yes. A wild one. I, okay. I want to know what Raven's guesses are. <laughs> She's guessing. Why, She's why, laughing why, quite a bit there. Why am Something I here? Funny going, going down there. Okay, Cobra, would you like to... Uh, yeah, I remember this being connected with the Spymaster. Uh, uh, hopefully that's the right direction to go. And it was uh -huh. Sir yeah. Stevens, Stevenson, I think. Oh. So you say Stevenson, Spymaster. Stevenson. Okay, Agent X. No, I don't, I don't have a name. I thought it was the dead guy that wa washed up on yeah, yeah. Portugal. Yeah, yeah. okay. Uh, Bill Ray. I, it was either well Bill Donovan or his British contact who trained him prior to uh, okay. 41. British contact. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Okay. And then Mac? Um, I'm, I'm with X. I think it's the guy that washed up on the beach in Portugal. Okay. The answer this time is William Stevenson, mm. who was a Canadian businessman soldier who was placed in charge of the British security coordination for the Western Hemisphere and he worked out of Rockefeller Center in New York oh, City. Oh, that's right. So we actually have we're, we actually have two that I'm going to give points for. Cobra actually named Stevenson, and Bill Ray knew that it was the British guy who trained William Donovan who eventually established the OSS, and that's wow. absolutely correct. Good one, Bill. Now, here's what's interesting. 
Here's what's interesting about the defense. Just think about this. She's she's shown us something. We permitted. (laughs) Who's winning? We permitted the British to have a spy agency headquartered in New York City Mm -hmm. prior to our entry in the war. Supposedly, uh, it was to facilitate the British uh, coordinating espionage in every other country in the northern and uh, South American continents. But naturally, their favorite target after they were set up was Washington, D.C., because Stevenson's objective was to get us into the war. Mm -hmm. So the more that Stevenson learned about how Roosevelt and other leaders were thinking, the better um, Churchill could be at interrelating with them and pushing them in the right direction. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. We should say that uh, we're playing the World War... We're playing the World War II trivia contest here on Mac Maloney's Military X-Files. Uh, four of us are playing, myself, X, our good friend Bill Ray, and also uh, Coco. Uh, let me just uh, ask the, the, the cheerleader, Switch, are you enthralled by this? Are you learning anything? Switching. Uh, actually, I am. Uh, I, I, I suspected this could have been, you know, really kind of a, you know, a oh, really? fest, but oh. it's not, not at all. It's Thanks really for bringing that up yeah. in the meeting. Okay. And what's also you it was very entertaining warm? is watching Raven's reactions to everything. I can't because understand Because she's creating that. her own answers in her head, okay. and I'm getting some of them privately here, which I will not divulge. What? what but what, they what, are what? hilarious. What? What? Raven. What's going on here? Raven's what? doing comedy here. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. She's not getting paid enough, guys. Between she, you and Switch. She's not just a, a, a hostess. She's okay. she's a comedian. Okay. Great. That's good. Well, humor is wonderful. Okay. Yes, right. I'm, gonna tell you, I'm very impressed with you. We that one. <laughs> oh, I just happen to know because I'm a big uh, spy kind of guy, so uh, okay. I, I remember that name. Um, yes. Just kind of threw me off. Uh, oh, oh, Eric, spy kind of guy. There we go. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm not British. Very funny, Alex. Okay, go ahead. Uh, next question, please. All right. The next question is also a numerical answer. How many B-25 medium bombers led by Jimmy Doolittle took off from the deck of the USS Hornet on April 18, 1942 to bomb Japan? This was the top secret mission that was in retaliation for Pearl Harbor. It was a very ingenious uh, combination of Army bombers that had never before taken off from a carrier, being properly trained by the Navy. And all of the bombers that day took off successfully and headed for Japan. Right. The question is, how many took off from that carrier's deck? When what happened that day was this happened, you know, a few months after Pearl Harbor, everyone in the United States was bumped out. They thought the Japanese were invulnerable and it kind of looked like they were. And so they come up with this plan. And and I wish that, well, you know, that's another story, but they put... If uh, army bombers on a navy carrier, now these are bombers, they're not small planes. They take off, they 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 drop their bombs in Japan. They didn't do much damage, but the headlines that resulted, it was like a huge morale boost because all of a sudden it's like now we're bombing them, and they had to bring lots of uh, people and equipment home to protect the home island. So this little kind of raid really right. had big ramifications. And Jimmy Doolittle, you know, went on to win the war that's in Europe. Actually, the yeah, war. Well, but that's another. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Right. So, does everybody have an answer? Yes. Okay. This time I will start with Agent X. What is your numerical answer? It's a great question. I should know. I'm going to guess five, but I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, Mac? Thirteen. Thirteen. Cobra? Um, I have a little inside knowledge on this one, so I need to declare that. Sixteen. Sixteen. Okay. And finally, Bill Ray. The last time we had an Air Force question, the answer was 10. So I stuck with it, 10. Okay. All right. The answer is 16. Oh, Coco. Wow. Now, 
<clears throat> it's, it was really amazing how they crammed 16 bombers yes. onto that. And remember, they had to leave enough room in the front of the flight deck to take off. Yes, right. Uh, yeah. Which required a lot of training. They only had, I think, something like 300 feet when normally it would probably take a thousand. Crazy. However, yeah. I, want, I now want to point out that yes. this question has a bonus. All right, should we do the score? And only. Let's, let's announce the score. Raven, do you have the score? Is that what you've been writing there? Okay, please. Let's, yeah, I've been writing the score. Go, go ahead. Yeah. I have, as of this question, before the bonus, yes. I have Coco, Mac, and Bill Ray tied at three, and I have X following at two. X is losing. Is that right? And Mac has two. Yeah. No, Mac, Mac has oh, two. Mac X, has, X has two. Oh, Mac has two? How did I get No, Mac yeah, has three. Two. Mac oh, has three. Okay. I, I, okay. No? Okay. What does Mac have? No, no, you only have two. I only have two. You got the first two right. Yeah, but I didn't. Oh, I see. You're right. You're absolutely right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Here's the bonus question. Thanks, Everybody Raven. can be thinking about the answer, but only Cobra <laughs> can answer it. And you can answer it verbally because there's no competition. All right. The bonus question is, They, the, all 16 bombers were forced to take off much earlier than planned because a Japanese picket boat spotted the carrier and its escorts. So instead of taking off and flying by night and arriving over China by day and landing on improvised fields, they had to take off by day, fly over China at night. They ran out of gas. The question is, how many of the 16 did not crash? In other words, how many of the 16 actually landed wheels down? Including the one in Russia? Including the one in Russia. I believe it is um, seven. If only you had stuck with Russia, you would have been right. Wow. <laughs> no, the only there was only one. Oh, you said wheels down. Good on you. Oh, wait, man, Good on down. you. That was well done. Yeah, I did say wheels down. Only you did. one. And and the, so, the yeah. reason why he loses one plane landed near Vladivostok, which was against orders because Russia was neutral vis-a-vis -vis Japan. Yep. And the American pilots were told, don't go to Russia. Why did that one bomber disobey orders? It's because they had a mission. Well, it, it was commanded by Captain Ed York, and his plane was last in line. And when the plane in front of him was being maneuvered into takeoff position, a part of that plane broke mm. the plexiglass nose of Captain York's plane. So there was a hole, yes. probably about 18 or maybe 12 inches or 18 inches across. And no matter what they tried to do during the flight, they couldn't plug it, which <laughs> meant that that drag was burning fuel at an alarming rate. So after they dropped their bombs on their target, they all decided we're never going to make China. We're going to crash in the water. The only alternative is Vladivostok. Can I just look at my score again, please? Um, I got a photo model, you, correct? I got, I got. Right, a, and you got two for the first answer. So I have three. By the way, I know why Bill got that last one wrong. How many points? Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. Over oh, no, no, Mac, no, no, Mac is absolutely right. This. Mac is right. He's got three points. Thank you, Raven. Max got three. I, I, it's my fault. I, I didn't think I should get a point because the big one here. Okay, so we got. All right, so he has three. Okay, he's okay. got three. All right. All right, let's go. Now the next question, question I think, six. is is uh, fairly intriguing. Okay. The V one was a German cruise missile whose target was London. The V two was a ballistic missile whose target was London. Now, while never completed, what was the V three and what was its target? So this is a two-part question. What was the V3 and what was its target? I'm ready. Ready? Okay, Mac, we'll start with you this time. Oh, damn it. Um, 
I think it was a gun, and I think it was aimed at London. Gun aimed at London. All right. Next, Agent X. I'm just going to guess from context. I would say it was a uh, intercontinental missile aimed at USA. Okay. Cobra. Uh, cannon, as far as I remember, and it has a very interesting history because I believe uh, Saddam Hussein tried to follow the same method. And I believe it was a another London or a Northern France kind of. Uh, mm -hmm. Yep. That's where they shot him from. Okay. And finally, Bill Ray. Uh, I believe it was a Wunderwaffen, and the target was USA, but it never came to fruit. What did you say? The, what did you say it was? Wunderwaffen. A wonder oh, yeah. Weapon. Yeah, wonder weapon. Okay. And USA. Well, the answer is. It was to be the world's first intercontinental ballistic missile. And it was consisting of a huge 87-ton A3 booster with a V2 on top of it. So the answer is, it was an ICBM, and its target was specifically New York, but really anywhere in the U.S. that it could reach. Wow. Okay. So that being the case... So, yeah, I was going to ask you, Phil, so... Does, what does that mean? Who got that right and who got it wrong? Right. Well, two of you got it right. The ones who mentioned gun did not because that is a specific weapon, but it's not the V3. Okay. Uh, so Agent X and Bill Ray both uh, said substantially the correct answer. So mm. each is going to score one point for that. Oh, okay. All right. X. And that takes us through six. Go now, ahead. Question seven. Question seven is the following. On December 7th, 1941, all of the U.S. battleships at Pearl Harbor were damaged, sunk, or beached. How many battleships were there that day? <clears throat> all of them were damaged, sunk, or beached. How many were there? And here's one hint. They're all, they all, each was named after a state in the Union. Not that that helps you, but that's how they <laughs> named battleships. I'm ready. What are you drinking there, Raven? Is that a ginger ale? <laughs> Surprise looking at me. <laughs> <laughs> For those that can't okay. see Raven right now, she frowned when that happened. Oh, I see. It's right. just the water. Just water. And I have my Our beer. Water. Bill, Ray, what, Bill Ray, what do you say? Yeah, all these Air Force and Navy questions Go here. Army guy. I can recall the name, I think five. Five. Okay. Uh, Mac? Six. Six. Agent X? I'm going to say five, too. Five. And complain vociferously about Air Force and Navy. Cobra. Questions as well. Uh, okay. And uh, some inside hockey here. I apologize, but I uh, was based out of Pearl Harbor a number of times, seldom out of there. Eight. Eight is the correct answer. Oh, uh, man. And this is a bonus question. So, again, Cobra's got it, Coke. and once again, he gets a chance to get an extra point. The bonus question is, there how is. many of the eight battleships, are you there, Cobra? Yes, I am. How many of those eight battleships were repaired and rejoined the fleet? I believe that is seven. Oh, uh, you're close. The answer six, was six or six, seven. Six. 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 The yeah. USS Arizona blew up and was totally beyond repair. Right. Uh, that's where most of the casualties occurred at Pearl Harbor, was that, when that thing exploded. Yep. It's now a memorial. The USS Oklahoma capsized. Oh, yeah. uh, it was eventually righted because it was, you know, it, 
it was inconvenient to have this in the harbor, uh, but it was too far gone to return the service. So after the war, it was sold for scrap. And after being refloated, it was on its way to San Francisco under tow when it floundered in a storm and sunk into the deep Pacific. Wow. No okay. one knows where it is. Yikes. Wow. Um, there's a uh, story. And, and Phil, Phil, I'm not doubting you, but you should, every one of those, you said battleships. Yes. They were about not cruisers. Nope, battleships. Just battleships. Not destroyers. Right. Battleships. Right. Okay. The battle wagons, the big yeah. guys. They're named after right. By the way, they were all old. You know, every single one of those battleships really dated to the World War One or the 1920s. I was going to uh, say, I didn't think they had that. But I, I can't say anything more about that because that's going to be a question. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Next okay. question. Here's an interesting okay. question. How many A-bombs did the U.S. have in inventory after dropping the second one on Nagasaki? Oh, this is a this is this is going to have some technical uh, fighting on this one. Well, All right, this a, is a bomb. This means that on the day yep. that the bomb was dropped on Nagasaki, how many were ready to go? If that helps you. I'm how many more do we have ready to go if we had to keep bombing Japan? I'm ready. Ready. Yep. Okay. Okay. Uh, Agent X, what do you say? I'm, I'm going to give an answer, and I'm and I'm going to agree with the commander on this one. Yes, because I answer. think it's a technical one. Go ahead. Zero. 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 Okay, Bill Ray? Zero. Mac? Zero. And finally, Cobra? Zero. All right, you all score for this one. That is absolutely correct, because the third bomb was not ready in the States until August 17th which was a week later and it would have taken at least two more weeks to get it to guam so in the event the japanese had not surrendered it would have been at least three weeks and more probably four weeks before we could have dropped another one to huh. convince them that they would keep coming it wasn't enough that's good you guys all got a point okay, okay. yeah all right this what? next question we've only got two to go now this one question is nine. i find this one pretty interesting myself okay what was the greatest achievement of the experimental Junkers 396 engine bomber. This was a German bomber that they had uh, right. uh, developed during the war. Uh, it was rather huge with six engines. Okay. What was its greatest achievement? <clears throat> okay, do we have we have four answers. Yes. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna call a technical on this one. I think too. Yeah, me too. Go ahead. All right. Well, Cobra, how about if you go first? The only thing I remember about this particular bomber, um, and you you're talking about yes, six engine bomber. Yes. I yeah. thought it was because it used diesel engines. That's the that's the only thing that I could come up with. Okay. Diesel engines. Diesel engines. All right, Agent X. I, again, I, I I just think it's a general question with maybe a number of answers, but you are the you are the expert. Go ahead. I would just say who's payload. 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 Okay. Bill Ray. I went with the diesel engines. I uh, another Air Force question. <laughs> Listen, okay. If you, finally, finally, Mac. If you want us to slow this down for you Army guys, we'll do that. <laughs> well, the next question uh, is an Army question, so okay. we'll make up. My question. Uh, my my yeah. answer is it flew to South America. Flew to South America. Oh, so close. The answer is, purportedly, it flew to within 18 miles of New York City on a test flight, undetected. Wow. Okay. Which proved yeah. that if Ooh. if they Ooh. wanted to, they could have bombed New York. Right. The New York. Uh, but 
given the, this was 1944, and given all the other priorities in the war, they really couldn't put the time and effort into it. Now, do I get and one Hitler point, Phil? Hitler wanted everything into the vengeance weapon program anyway. So. Phil, do I get one point because yeah. I said America, you know, flew to in America. Well, I'm going to give you a half, I'm going to give you a half point. Okay, the half point, man. <laughs> Bookies love that. Yeah. They love the half point. Okay, let's go. All right, last question. Last and question. we're going to total up round one. Stalingrad was Germany's greatest defeat. It lost 600,000 killed, captured, and wounded during the campaign. Here's the question, though. How many Russian casualties were there at Stalingrad? The Germans lost 600, killed, captured, wounded. How many Russian casualties were there? Civilian in military or just military? Just, yeah. just, just military. Well, Raven, I don't know about you, but I'm kind of glad that uh, nobody is counting on me to win this. Do we all have an answer? That's not good talk from a cheerleader, Switchy. I do. I'm ready. All right. What do you say, Mac? One million. One million, says Mac. Bill Ray? One million. One million. Agent X? Eight and a half million. Eight and a half million. Half million. Whoa. That's all right. Cobra? Oh, sorry, sorry. You said say 8.5K. All right, 850,000. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That's a good guess. All right, and finally, Cobra. I'm going to say 1 million. All right. The three who said 1 million each score one point yes. because the actual total was 1.13 million. Wow. And the significance was the Russians could afford to lose those casualties, but Germany could not. And that's one of the reasons why Stalingrad was Germany's greatest defeat. When you see the photograph of um, when Germany took over France, and there's a famous photograph of them, of the this uh, these... Nazis marching through the Arc of Triomphe. There's a guy leading him with. That's the Sixth like Army. A parade, yeah. yeah, that's the Sixth Army. They went to Stalingrad, and they're the yeah. ones who got decimated. I have a question. Go ahead. Just in case you know it. Army guy. Um, everything I know about Stalingrad is far more civilians were killed than Russian military. Okay. No, no. That's 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 not correct. That's not right. It wasn't that big a town. And a lot of them got out across the river. Um, yeah, there, I think there was something like 200,000 civilian casualties, perhaps. Uh, but it was, it was since it was not a huge city, it was really just symbolic. The, the real value of Stalingrad, had the Germans captured it, is that they would have controlled the Volga River, mm -hmm. which was the main artery bringing oil up from the oil fields in southern Russia to Moscow and to the north. So if they got Stalingrad and pinched it at that point, the Russians would be out of oil. No, right. I buy that. Right. And psychologically, being named Ash Stalin, it was also a huge. Uh, yeah, say Petersburg. Oh, I, I may be thinking about when they first they just killed so many civilians. Oh, so, so coming, oh, coming Petersburg. Into, coming into yeah, Stalingrad, uh, they killed so oh. many civilians. I think over a million in, in Leningrad alone. <laughs> yes. Wow. Well, according to my calculations, yes, uh, I have Cobra and Bill Ray tied for the lead with six. Oh. Is that right, Raven? Cobra and Bill Ray tied at six. Damn. All right, that means we have to go to a tiebreaker, which wow. I'm prepared for, X. but didn't think that I would have X. to use. He didn't. He didn't mention us, X. So what was X? And what was our score? All right, Mac, you got four point five, and X got four. That's what I think yeah. I've got down here. That's, wow. Yep, that's what I have. Okay, good. You guys All right. did great. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. Be aggressive. Go team. All right, here's the tiebreaker. Uh oh. Uh oh. Okay. And this is only for Cobra and Bill Wright. And the tiebreaker is the Allies expected to suffer 70,000 
casualties on D-Day. How many did they actually suffer? Clarify casualties, they, please. Ca clarify casualties what a casualty are means. Dead, wounded, missing. Dead, not dead, just dead, dead, wounded, missing. Wounded, missing. They expected 70,000 dead, wounded, missing. Do you have to give an exact number or? How many thousands? How many thousands? So you can say 25,000, 120,000, yeah. 59,000. Because I rounded off the casualties to 70,000 for the estimate. Okay, throw a number out there. CC. Okay, so Bill right, Rowe, uh, I'm going to say 200,000. And who said that? Sorry. Cobra. Cobra. Cobra says 200. And Bill Ray, what do you say? 15,000. 15,000. The actual answer is 10,000. Wow. Bill Ray, you okay. get the bonus point. Uh, you and Cobra are going to the second round. Wow. You are the round one winner with seven. The army guy won. We're going to Disneyland. Yeah, no, listen. But he's <laughs> the guy who looks. Applause? Yes, hey. I'll, I'll put it in. But he's the guy who looks into the future. No wonder he won. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, listen. Why don't we take a commercial break now? I think right. it's well needed. Coco, one one, you awake, there, Jasper? I'm, I'm enjoying it. It's like Are you really? It's like okay. being in school. Okay, it looks like he's doing his homework over there. Uh, you're listening. The, the listeners, Matt, the listeners are going to really enjoy this. This is great. Yeah, I hope so, Switchy. Okay. Are well, you... I, got, I got to tell you, Mac, you and Agent X can be cheerleaders, and you can also be agitators. Yeah, this next we'll round. be agitators. Don't <laughs> worry. That's what we need. Yes. Okay. We're going to take, take a commercial break, break now. And we're all going to take a break, and we'll be uh, right back. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Military X Show yeah. here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network special night. World War II Trivia Night. We'll be right back after this. Welcome back, everyone, to Mac Maloney's Miltracks. Our show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. This is Macaroni. Wow, what a special night we have tonight. World War II Trivia Contest. Um, I've already been eliminated, by the way, and so is Agent X. But anyway... Um, it's shocking, actually. That voice you hear, girls, if you're not already sitting down and feeling yourself very famous. Well, I want to see a Wani. Hello, girls. Hello, Mac. Yeah. Uh, Coco. Hey, I, like the, I like the trivia contest. It's great. Coco is here. He already has the Always a pleasure to be on the wing, Mac. Already has the crown on. He's so sure he's going to win. Uh, one piece of uh, <laughs> one piece of lemon cake into the day. Switchblade Steve Ward for breakfast. Switchy. Great to be here. Yep. Okay, we're running around the house. Still feeling the, uh, the energy from the cake. I was going to say all the sugar. You you you're a sugar high all day, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why you're so nutty now. Okay. Um, Raven is with us. Raven, how you doing? How can you stand this, really, Raven? <laughs> hey, Raven, what's up? <laughs> Hello, I'm having a good time. <laughs> You'd say that anyway. Excellent. Where are my shades? She's got no, the, that's not true. She's got the incense and time, pepper. Because I am. On. Is one more speaking over your lines? Very gracious. Agent X is here. He's paid his electric bill. His lights are on. Xy. Yes, thanks for having me. I've already been eliminated as well, yep. Mac, and I blame that on our disadvantaged upbringing. <laughs> right, Dorchester. You know, it's the Boston school system. It's an indictment on the Boston school system. <laughs> one of many. Uh, okay, uh, Phil Orbanes is our. Uh, Alex Trebek tonight, and also Bill Ray is joining us. Turns out Bill Ray won, in quotes, uh, the first round, but he does see into the future. I think that should that should have been a disqualifier. You know, who, who vetted him for this? Well, there you go. He retired undefeated, if that's okay. Oh, yeah, he would have got every answer right. That's true. Okay. All right, so, Phil, I'm going to turn it over to you. Phil O'Banes. All right. Round two. All right. Round two. Question one. Uh, 
The information that I'm going to read is rather long, but the question itself is very simple. So here's the background. While the Type 7 U-boat remained the workhorse of the German Navy, it became increasingly vulnerable to Allied anti-submarine weapons as the war progressed. In response, the Germans designed the revolutionary Type 21, the first true submarine. Not only did it carry 23 power-loaded torpedoes, it could remain submerged for days, not just hours as all prior submarines. Even its, and here comes the question, even its manufacture was revolutionary, William Levitt would have approved. What was so unique about the construction of the German Type 21 U-boat? Bill Ray, where's your, where's your ESP now? <laughs> it deserted yeah, me. Okay. I, gave a, I, gave a, I gave a very strong hit in the reading, if you were paying attention. Okay. Okay, do you both have answers? No, not yet. Okay. <laughs> hey, Scraper. This is wicked easy. Yeah, come on, Cobra. <laughs> no. Okay, I, I, I guess I got my answer. What's your answer, Cobra? I'm going to go with, uh, I think it's the, probably the first submarine that used a snorkel. Mm, snorkel. Okay, Bill Ray? I, you said construction, so I uh, I said it was uh, prefab put together and the pieces put together later. Well, that's that's an outstandingly accurate answer because, wow. you know, I used the, I gave you the little hint. William Levitt would have approved. And Bill Levitt was the uh, mm -hmm. guy who built Levittown and all those prefab oh. communities after the war. This is and here's what was so unique about the Type 21. Oh. It was modular. It was built remotely oh, in nine sections. All were brought, I guess, by river to the shipyard for final assembly. Mm. And the reason for that was they didn't want them being sitting ducks during that long construction period. Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the problems was that a lot of the vendors who built these sections had not built ships before, so there were growing pains. <laughs> uh, but if they had gotten these much earlier in the war, uh, it, we would have had hell to pay because I, they were stealthy, uh, they were very streamlined, and uh, yes, they had they had a very advanced snorkel, but they weren't the first one, uh, Cobra, with the snorkel. Can I just say something, please? Well, the Battle of the Atlantic, the longest battle of World War II, yes. would have yep. definitely been even more terrible if these had ever made it to sea. Switchy. That's absolutely right. Is that how they recharge their battery with the yes. snorkel, staying, but stay, still staying submerged? Yeah. So that they could... Uh, no, the snorkel permitted air to reach the diesel engine. They didn't have right. those... And they also didn't have it meant that they surface. could refresh the air inside the... Uh, but but a lot of the early snorkels on the Type 7s were improvised. Mm -hmm. The Type 21 had a snorkel that raised and lowered just like the... Uh, it was, it was a mechanical design. Right. And it was... It was uh, much more advanced and it operated very very smoothly Switchy. how could a diesel boat stay submerged so long because the um, air would come in the snorkel okay the exhaust would go out the second pipe of the snorkel it would all right pumped yes. out. yeah it was okay. and the and also the engine compartment was sealed so none of the air in the engine compartment would circulate through the rest of the vessel all okay right. switchy switchy what switchy Hang on. switch yes. yes you're a former uh submarine uh veteran correct you're on the uss tuna fish right yes. okay would you get on a submarine? Uh, close. Would you get on a submarine that that is taking baby steps? You know what I mean, growing pains. Wouldn't you want to be on a submarine? A diesel boat? Yes. No, any kind of submarine. Wouldn't you want to be on one that they get all the rivets right and so on? Well, with, with hindsight, a, a lot of the uh, diesel boats were lost in the war. So, uh, but if I didn't know it at the time, yes. you know, I probably wouldn't be worrying about it so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. By the way, the Type Twenty One. A lot of them were captured and brought to America. The Russians got their shares, and the first. 
designs of diesel power submarines after the war are all based on the Type 21. Okay. So no next German weapon that we profited from. Next question. Okay, next question. What, you ready? Yep. Who got a point? What high-ranking German? Bill Ray. A skilled Bill Ray Wait, wait, am I, am I going or not? Yes. Go, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Go ahead. Okay, you ready? Yep. What high-ranking German, a skilled pilot, flew a two-engine fighter from Germany to Scotland on 10 May 1941 to negotiate a peace with England by way of a Scottish lord? What high-ranking German, who was a skilled pilot, flew a two-engine fighter from Germany to Scotland in May of 1941 in an attempt to negotiate a peace with England via a Scottish lord who happened to be in favor of peace. They get easier and easier. Yes, Bill they do. I don't think Bill needs any time on this one. Okay. All right, Bill, what do you say? <laughs> I say Spears. You say really? Spears. I'm, I'm shocked, Billy. I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Rudolf Hess. Right. Right. That's it. And, and he died in Spandau. Yes. The answer is another fact, great conspiracy of all time. Right. This was this is kind of weird about this guy because uh, Cobra's absolutely correct. It was Rudolf yes. Hess who was the third-ranking Nazi. He actually attempted this mission twice before, but weather forced him to return. And at neither time did Hitler find out what he was trying to do. He really thought that he had to do this uh, to bring the war to an end because. Hitler, quite frankly, really didn't want to kill England. He wanted to kill Russia. Uh, Hess was captured, and for some reason, the British decided to never give him a break. Right. And so, just as Cobra pointed out, he died in Spandau. He hung himself when he was 90 or something. Oh, but did he? Yeah, a 90-year-old man killed himself in the garden. Please. <laughs> yeah. Is yes. that a clue? Is that is that one of your clue games? Well, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Bill, you and I were over there when he did that. We're yeah. over in Germany, and what? A, you'll kick yourself. Where did, and this is a bonus point for Phil, where did he take off from? I think Germany? it was near Munich. It was Gablingen, Lechfelden, and you remember what was there, wow. Bill? Yes. In Gablingen, the elephant gauge. Okay. I was there for nine years. Of course you were. Of course I was. Do you have any beer halls there? Yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Well. So anyways, I'm glad you guys had some insight into that one. Okay. The next question is about General Douglas MacArthur. By what means was General MacArthur extracted from the Japanese siege of Corregidor Island Come on. on the 12th of March, 1942? Are these the high questions? This seems pretty easy, Phil. You're going to <laughs> on us, I think. Yes. Well, we're going to get tougher. I just Why us? To... Okay, go ahead, okay, please. Ready. Okay, so, Cobra, what are you... Are you guys ready? Do you have an answer? I remember yes. it as uh, PT torpedo boats. It was there. So PT boats. Went up. Okay. Uh, Bill Ray? Yeah. What do you say? PT boat. PT boat. Okay, you're okay. both correct. And this is not for a bonus score, but just to see if you know, where did they take him? And then what means did they use to get him to Australia? I believe he flew to Australia, and I'm, I can't remember what island he went to. Close by. Bill Ray? Philippines, no. Yeah. Well, yeah, he went from Corregidor, which is in Manila uh, Bay, yeah. down to the big island underneath Luzon, which is Mindanao, where a B-17 flew him, his family, and a few others to Australia. By the way, I have Corregidor is one of those uh, places that I had the opportunity to visit uh, many years ago. Uh, on the island, which has three levels, the enlisted men on level two had a huge barracks that seemed to be a mile long, and it was pretty badly destroyed by Japanese artillery from the time. The top side level, which is where the officers had their homes, a movie theater, a bowling alley, MacArthur lived there, you know, most of the time. Bowling it out. was absolutely level. 
So rank did not protect you if you were on Corregidor. And of course, all the surviving officers and men had to hide out in Malinta Tunnel until the surrender, which I think took place in May of 42. Mm -hmm. Hey, Phil, now that you're asking all these easy questions, I have another bonus question for you Hurry. on this very subject. Yeah? When he was taking off, taken off of the island, and of course, we all know what happened to thousands of He left a lot of people behind. The Batan Marsh, yeah. Yep, the Batan yes, Marsh. Yep. On the PT boat, who was the non-American that was taking off, taken off with him? And what was her name? Well, I don't remember her name, but I think she was the ama to his son. She was the caregiver to his son. She was the nanny, that's correct. The nanny, or the ama, as they would say in wow. the yes. Philippines, yeah. But uh -huh. the best part of that story is yeah. her name. Oh, I don't know her Let's name. Let's have it. See, I... Let's have it. Achu. <laughs> God bless you. Achu. Oh, that's great. <laughs> so, uh, was the last name Gazunte? Yeah. Switch. Sorry. All right. Okay. This question. get all these Air Force questions. Thanks for that journey. Uh, all right. This is an Army question, and it's somewhat tougher. Oh. George Patton became one of World War II most famous generals, but his first experience in motorized combat years earlier was chasing a notorious bandit. Who was it? Oh, it's the. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Come sorry. on. Who was it, and when? X. X. Let's uh, let's count a sue, you and me, okay? Because these questions have got. <laughs> We're down to fifth grade level here now. Go ahead, please. Don't let me interrupt. Ready. Who was it and when? Go ahead. All right. Cobra, you want to go first this time? Yes, I'm pretty sure you're referring to is his time in the cavalry chasing Pancho Villa. And what year was it? Oh, my goodness gracious. Mm. Let me think. See, there's got to be a tougher part to That's it. That's a good one. It's the 1900s. I'm going to say 1910. All right, Bill Ray, what do you say? Joe Villa, it would have been 1916, and uh, uh, Black Jack didn't want to take him. He camped outside his door until he finally said, okay, you can come along. Black Jack Pershing. Well, the answer is Bill Ray is going to get a full point for that because it was Pancho Villa. The year was 1916. Uh, Cobra gets a half point, and you might find this interesting. Although they did not capture Villa, Patton ordered the corpses of three of Villa's men to be strapped to the hoods of his automobiles mm. like trophy animals. Wow. So they didn't have tanks. Yeah. They had, you know, they had sort of modified automobiles to go chasing after him. Cool. And uh, he did get three of his men, and he displayed them rather brutally. Nice. Mechanized is mechanized. Okay, let's yeah, go. Right. Here we go. All right. Yep. Next question. Also an Army question. See. What was General Erwin Rommel doing when the D-Day invasion oh, began? Come on. Now, wait a minute. Let's stop here for a second. Let's fill on that. <laughs> sour grapes. Uh, did you? It's not sour grapes. It's, 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 did you get them mixed up? <laughs> <laughs> Why did we get these questions no, at no, first? Ready. Yeah, of All course. Right, Bill Ray, what did you say? He was uh, visiting his wife. It was her birthday. Was wife? Her. Wife's birthday. And Cobra? Same thing, birthday. All right, you guys both got it right. I thought your listeners, though, would appreciate knowing that because mm. the reason why he had left is that the, his weather forecaster said there was no way an invasion could take place on June 5, 6, or 7 mm -hmm. of 44. So he left to go home to celebrate his wife's birthday. He brought her a pair of shoes from Paris. Uh, his home was near Ulm, which was 100 miles from the French border. But he was back in Normandy by 10 o'clock that night on the 6th of June, mm -hmm. taking command. Mm -hmm. All right. Directly Another... related to that to he, that question, he too. He didn't do a good job. Know this. Go ahead. 
you were talking about the first one was about General Patton. The second one is about General Rommel. In the 1970s and uh, early 80s, General Patton Jr., who was the deputy commander of Seventh Corps, was in Stuttgart. And who was the mayor of Stuttgart at that time, with whom General Patton became very good friends? Ray Flynn. Rommel's son. Yeah, Rommel's son. Butch Rommel. What's his first name? Butch. Wolfgang. Okay, so Phil. Manfred Rommel. (laughs) Phil, where are we? Where are we here? Okay, we're at we're at question six. Okay, who was Kate Summersby? Um, Who was Kay Summersby? (laughs) Kay Summersby. This is a joke. You you guys get ready. Was she a singer? Yep. Cobra. I I'm gonna pitch. I have no idea. Oh, you're full. Question mark. Okay, Mac. All right. Who she is? Bill Ray. Uh, it was Ike's driver. She was the captain. Uh, she was British, but made captain in the American Army and was rumored to be his mistress. Okay. The the answer is that she, the first part, she was Eisenhower's chauffeur and later personal secretary. Yes. And according to the research that I've done, a lot of Eisenhower's opponents tried to prove that they had an affair. Uh, in reality, the best that could be proved was that he kissed her once and people saw that. That's enough. Okay. And, and uh, the, and it the rest of the story is she had British <laughs> nationality, but she was actually Irish. And, and Juan Juan also wants to, where did he kiss her? That's important yeah. to him. On the lips, on, on the, the lips. lips. <laughs> on the lips. Yeah. But cheats. Okay, so. Somebody uh, must have taken a picture of that. <laughs> well, let's. All right. Let's look for it. Go ahead. There we go. What was the, ready, question seven. What was the first American fighter aircraft to appear regularly over Berlin <sighs> during the last 12 months of the war? That's it. I'm, I'm protesting right now. Actually, with me? I agree. Okay. Agreed. 100%. I knew this in the third grade. Well, you guys won't get the last three, but I'm giving you at the last. Okay. The All right. Okay. Well, All right. They really are hecklers, aren't they? I thought that was a joke, but no, they're, they're hecklers. Go ahead. Well, We're supposed Bill, to be cheering these guys on. Excuse me? Bill Ray, what, Bill Ray, what do you say the answer is? Oh, I said the Mustang. P-51. You said the Mustang. That's correct. What's, what's, its, what's its numerical designation? P-51. 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 Okay, Cobra, what do you say? It would be the D model of the P-51. P-51D, you guys both get a point. Yay! The losers heckle, the winners get a point. Wow. These last last three questions, I don't think you're going to score because two of them are numbers, but I don't think you're going to get them. Okay. All right. How many new battleships did the United States launch during World War II? Whoa. How many battleships? Don't say eight. That was the answer to Pearl Harbor. (laughs) Well, we had eight at Pearl Harbor, but I think we had six in other locations. Okay. So I think we started the war with 14 rather antiquated battleships. By the way, the six that were sunk at Pearl Harbor and brought back into service, they were all modernized to the greatest extent possible. Mm-hmm. So they were kind of hybrids. But this is all brand new battleships that were built and entered service for the first time during the war. How many were there? You, you think you got an answer to this one, Mac? Yes. Is this an easy question? Yes. No, no easy. it's not easy, but I, yeah, but I, I, I think I know it within two or three. Well, why don't, why don't you write it down so you can prove okay. it to us? Okay. Here's, I'm going to go to Cobra first. What do you think the answer is? I'm going to say battleships, World War II, new construction. I'm going to say 25. Whoa. By the way, we did make a lot of aircraft carriers, probably more than 25. Uh, Bill Ray, what do you say? Built and entered service. I, uh, 
I'm going to say zero. You say zero. I say it was carriers that we were going for. You know, Iowa may have come, but I don't okay. know. Okay, the answer is ten. There were two North Carolina class, four South Dakota, four Iowa class. All ten had nine sixteen-inch diameter main guns. Wow. Huge. By comparison, the Japanese only completed two battleships during the war, but both were monsters.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Yamamoto and, Mas- and the Masashi. Masashi, right? So this is interesting. By guessing zero. Bill Ray is actually closer, and he gets the point. Wow! Yes. Why? What is this with this guy? I put ten down.、Okay. By the way, Phil, I put ten. Oh, down. you did. Yeah. Whoa! How about that? Ten is right. I can't get、okay. on Kate Summers. Okay, let's go. All right. Well, now the next one is sort of a. It follows up naturally to the prior one. The Japanese battleship Yamato had nine eighteen-inch diameter guns, the largest ever made. How many pounds did each of its shells weigh? Boy, not so easy now, huh, Mike?、Oh. <laughs> no, I got an answer. I got an answer. All right, Bill. Bill Ray, what do you say? I say、uh, one ton, two thousand pounds. Two thousand pounds. Cobra, what do you say? I'm gonna play three thousand pounds. Three thousand. And Mac, just for the record, what do you say? I would have said twenty-five、uh, hundred. I showed up to twenty-five hundred.、Yep. Well, in this case, Cobra gets the point because <sighs> the actual answer is three thousand one hundred pounds. That's huge. And here's the thing: they could fire that, those 18-inch guns 26 miles. Now think about this, because at 100, and I looked this up online, at 100 feet above sea level, you can see 13 miles to the horizon.、Mm-hmm. So if you know if you're at the observation level of the battleship at 100 feet, you can see 13 miles. This one could shoot way over the horizon. This is these are guns, single guns that can shoot a shell the the, the weight of a Volkswagen. Thirty miles. Yeah, thirty、right. miles. Nine. By the way, nine at a time. So if、nine、you happen to, of all nine of your shells actually hit,、uh, my God, that's you know that's what thirteen and a half tons of explosives、right. at one time. It's okay. Gonna, it's gonna ruin the last the question here is an army question. Yeah.、Oh. It's a it's a number. Okay. So somebody again is going to score for this one. Ace German tank commander Kurt Nipsell, while controlling the war's best tank, the King Tiger, became. The highest-scoring tank commander of all time. How many enemy tanks did he and his crew destroy? Everybody have an answer? Who's competing? All right, Bill Ray. What do you say? I say fifty-one. Fifty-one. Cobra. I'm going to say, just to be obstinate, one hundred and sixty. How's that? All right, and Mac, what do you say? Just for the hell of it, did you come up with a yeah、number? between forty-five and fifty? Forty-five and fifty. Well, Cobra is amazingly close. The answer was a hundred and sixty-eight. One guy, hundred sixty-eight. Sad, and he was on the eastern front.、Mm-hmm. But sadly, just one week before the war ended, he was killed in a Russian tank battle where he was out. I think he was outnumbered ten to one. So the poor guy. Didn't make it to the end. Yeah. Well, sadly. So another easy. It's Mac knows. Before I went in, let's go. Just put this put together the lawsuit. It'll be a, it'll be、uh, one of the lawsuits. Basic course. Bill Ray never was in armor. If you had been there and you've been light infantry. <laughs> All right, Raven, were you keeping score? I was. So did Coco? Did Coco get the point for that last one? He did. Okay, so then it would be 
Six and a half to six. That's what I have. Oh, what the half? Coco six and a half. Bill Ray is six. So if I knew the inside track on the Love Life driver of Ike, yes. I would be I would be in the winner's circle. You are in the winner's circle, you're not. Yeah. No, you are in the winner's you circle. You won. No, I thought Billy, you have six and a half. No. I don't. No, no, you have I misspoke. You you do. Coco Cobra has six and a half. Coco, you yeah. won. Coco, you won. Wow. Yes. So I feel like that tank commander guy at 168. I mean, how close can you get on that? With I, and by the way, I this is what the lucky. This is the game. The lucky uh, listener is going to receive thanks to your victory tonight. Okay, that's risk, risk Europe. Risk Europe. Okay, let's uh, employ, let's all clap and then we will Yay! sweeten it up. Oh my God, everyone! It's a victory. Okay. Yay. You know, Raven. I need you to say this on the air. Everybody's a winner. <laughs> yes. Everybody's a winner. Everybody gets a trophy. Yeah, everyone gets a trophy. <laughs> Second, we're living the dream. Second prize is the case of the Irishman. Day in paradise. Okay. You know, Phil, I gotta admit, you really, uh, you really threw me. I was hoping for how many victories of Eric Hartman. Um, what? I was, I was, I was ready for some really cool stuff there. I was yeah. ready for uh, who won. Well, <laughs> think about it. Think, is this on? I got a blank on Hesse. Hesse Even though okay. Coco won, he didn't know who Achu was. No, I did not. But I did know who I did know who Hess was, though. That's true. Yeah, that's yeah. accounts. Hey, well, you know, this is a, this is a good experience for me because I wasn't sure until we actually played one round. Yes. Whether the questions were too easy or too difficult. We were They're too difficult. What, what? Wait a second. Hold on a second. All right. Okay. They're too, that's coming from the winner. <laughs> right from the winner. I mean, I feel like for me they're too difficult because yes. I I knew one question. <laughs> if, if, if if so, that's that's a good thing though. If you knew who Kate Summersby was. Yep. Um. No. Um, I. So I. That's, I lied. That's I knew sexist. No questions. That's sexist. <laughs> I thought I thought he was gonna say Kate Beckinsale, and all of a sudden and oh, I know her. A lifetime. No one line goes to the roof. I cannot believe I did not know 1916, and I said 1910. I just yeah. you know what I didn't think you know I wouldn't have said 1916 because uh, it was so close to World War One. I. I was thinking was it way right. before World War One or was it afterwards? And and yeah. an interesting footnote on yeah, that before. particular war that was the uh, first time the Army Air Corps sent their airplanes to support the ground troops, right, yeah. and it was a complete unmitigated disaster. Uh -oh. Overheating airplanes, wow. fourth town, the Mexican uh, uh, Army captured one of the planes and uh, and and really destroyed it. Pretty, pretty yeah. tough. The Mexicans kind of won that one. Yeah. Yes. Right. Yeah. So listen, hey, hey Phil O'Banes, tell us about yeah. your uh, company, Winning Moves, please. Well, Winning Moves is uh, celebrating its 26th year now. Uh, it was originally started by me and three other veterans of the game industry who had worked previously for Parker Brothers and Milton Bradley, the two great game companies. Uh, we always felt that with changing times, with electronic games becoming the focus of attention of all the large game companies that classic board games had a home among people who really appreciated them growing up. Mm -hmm. So Winnie Moves has flourished by under license primarily from Hasbro or Rubik's bringing back to market with very high quality, all the classic games, whether it's Monopoly from the eighties or the classic version of Sorry or Boggle or Risk or Clue, uh, great card games and Rubik's in particular in the puzzle field. Uh, that's Winnie Moves. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, I turned over management uh, back in 2013 to the executives that I had hired, and I am happy to tell you they've done far better than I did. Wow, good thing. I, I did pretty well, so <laughs> things are going well. Phil, hey, Mac? Yes, go ahead. Mac, I want to throw one quick play. You know, when folks get through reading 
all your fine books to put up and get through X's book. Ofa. Phil has a great book, Tortured Cardboard, that is really, really yes. quite an interesting book if you're interested in, in anything that's business of the game and the, and the, the whole business of the board game. It's really, really cool. Book. Great title. Yeah, and the history of just how these great inventions took place, which is, for the most part, just you would not be able to imagine how and who created these games. Yeah, right. Games. Sure. That's a story. It's hey, listen, Phil, real quick. Phil, real quick. Yeah. What, what, what makes a good game? Well, a good game is, is one where what happens off the board is more important than the board and the equipment itself. Wow. It's the interaction between the players, which is fresh and new every time, uh, because people learn a great deal about human nature over a board game. Mm -hmm. And if yeah. the game stifles that, then the game yeah. pretty much dies. Okay. My favorite game is Twister for that reason. Oh, brother. Well, I, I think uh, you're going to say shoots well, and ladders. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Phil, let me just throw something at you. I'm going to pitch you on this. Okay, you ready? I think I already pitched you on this about yeah. five years ago, but I'll do it again. All right. We play, when we get together, my brother and his gang, we play a, a, a game called Name That Name. Name That Name. And what yeah. that is, is you, you have everyone writes down the name of a celebrity. You put it in a bowl. And you have a few beverages at the same time, okay? That always works. Right. And then you have the... the we played this at your house, didn't yes, we, Matt? Yes, we did. Yes, we did. I'm surprised you can yeah. remember. Yeah. And, and, you, and then you, they read the names once, and then you have, to, you have to guess who wrote the name down. So if, if okay. Coco wrote down, you know, lots, you know, lots of Lola or whatever, right? I'd go with that. No, no, I would write down. I would write down Ike's driver. Obviously, after tonight, Jamie. <laughs> okay, right. Uh -huh. So, Phil, what's the matter with and that Billy game? Billy would put Rudolph Hess. <laughs> what's the matter with that game, Phil? Is it you have to be drunk to play it? Isn't that interaction with the people off the board? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's a requirement. Okay. Goes yeah. right. saying. Name that name. Name that name. Okay. So, listen. You're listening to Mac Maloney's Military X Files show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. That's cool. This is our uh, World War II trivia contest. Wow. Uh, and Coco won of all people. We should have bet it. Were you yeah. surprised? No, I'm not. I'm not. By, I'm not. A, by a mere half point. Yeah. All Next, because of that intrepid guy. That thing, right. <laughs> Next time, we're going to do That's this good. again in three weeks. We're going to bet it. We're going to do over-under. We're going to do points, okay? Because that half point, baby. See what happens? Uh, so look. There's well, a lot of movie pitches in some of that trivia. Think about some of the, the, the movie ideas from the trivia question okay. and, and the story behind it. He's been writing this whole time, and he's been writing Kate Beckinsale over and over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a commercial break now. We'll be right back after this. You listen to Mac Maloney's Real Tracks. I'll show here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network. We'll be right back. <laughs> show your beverage. Why not, right? All right, listen. Welcome back, everyone. Mac Maloney's Real Tracks. Next show. Uh, here on the Distant Thunder Radio Network, this is Mac Maloney, and this is World War II Trivia Night. Trivia contest. If you're just joining us now, wow. What a contest you missed. Now, uh, who won? Coco, right? Of course. The Coco, of course, is right. I'm not saying the fix was in, but, I mean, he knows his stuff. I don't want to say the fix was in, yeah. okay? First of all, it's not. When I, when I found out that out of, the four, um, out of the four, the two of them were army guys, I said, hey, the fix is in, but not necessarily against me. But... As it turns out, it really out, all stems from the fact that Popeye was a Coast Guardsman, and we had that. There we go. Many, all right, we, we got thirty ago. minutes here. Now wait a minute. We we talked about this for an hour about two months ago. About Popeye? Yeah, that he's yeah. A, he cla he claims he's a Coast Guard guy. I think he's a merchant marine guy. I I never. There is no claim. I've sent the pictures. I've sent you the stills of the film where it shows that he says he's a United States Coast Guard. Two Navy veterans on this program no. have 
seen the pictures and substantiate the claim. I think and you I can will fake defy those. anybody to prove to you me. You can fake those things otherwise. these days. I think they're fake. I don't reliable sources. It could have been photoshopped. Could have been photoshopped is like nothing these days. Only olive oil would know. Infant. Thank oh, you, man. Yeah. 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 Get or, let's, let's bring olive oil in and or, talk to uh, her. Bruto. Was it Bruto? Brutus? He couldn't. He had a, he had a personality disorder. He called himself you know, something. Bruto and Bruto. 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 Right. Right. Yeah, Bruto. How much spinach did you eat as a kid? I ate a shitload ate of spinach. All my spinach because of the kids in Biafra. Uh, yeah, really, Biafra. Yeah. Wow, okay. Same with the cauliflower. Okay. Oh, really? Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. Did we go down that trail quick? Okay, so uh, let me introduce everyone who's here, unless I haven't done that before. Juan Juan is here. Coco is here. Switchblade is here. Raven is here, giving herself a cold compress. Hello, Raven. And also... <laughs> Agent X. We got to be a TV show. Agent X, how you doing? Are you awake anyway? Because we had yeah, a screenshot that, two weeks ago. Not, notwithstanding this, uh, you this asleep big show that during the show. you and I just eliminated from. Okay. So anyway. So I know, yeah. The guys from Dorchester. You know, don't you see a patent here? I mean, seriously. I couldn't get into a good college because of where I grew up. I mean that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean high school. Not this guy, right off the actually, top. Actually, both. Dorchester, you didn't. I'm just joking. I think, couldn't understand. I think uh, Coco and Bill did a fantastic job. Oh, wow. So, okay. So, you're one of them now. Okay. That's fine. So, listen. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you go with the guy who can see in the future, he wins. No, no. Coco, he saw, he foresaw Coco winning. Right? Yeah. And let, yes. him, and let him have it. He bet on Coco. Next time, we're going to bet. We're going to do over unders. We're going to, like I say, we'll do points. That'd be good. Yeah. yeah it'll be, be fun. fun. We'll give all the Is money. Is legal? You do it on the air? Yeah, you know, legal-ish. Um, and we'll give all the money to orphans. How about that? That will make right. it okay. Speaking of okay. I'd rather send it to a, 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 pig, a pig sanctuary. <laughs> Raven is with the, with, with the downturn. Th How about a pig sanctuary? How about uh, rescue pigs, Raven? Mm -hmm. Yes. yes. How about you send it to me? <laughs> Just send it right to me. I, yeah, I, I let's send it to Coco. More than happy. And then... He'll he'll give half of it to the animals and the other half he'll throw a party for us. All right. Yeah, okay, yeah, okay, yeah. Win, win. Now we're talking. The animals get half. Oh, yes. Yes. They'll have so much money. It'll, of course, they'll be half. catered. Here we go. I mean, Zeppelin really needs like most of it. No, he doesn't. Not really. Wait till when is Easter? Has Easter already passed us? Yeah. Okay. Then he's got a year. To, Some Catholic you are. He's got a year to get his mm. uh, act together before <laughs> next Easter. Next time, dinner. It's even past Orthodox Easter. <laughs> okay. Why don't we get to really? switch? We're way past that. Know that. We know what Switch had for breakfast. Okay, he had lemon cake with lots of lemon frosting on top, and we would tell you what he had to drink in Latin. But as it turns oh. out, we're going to probably have to cut Those. that out of earlier. On the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we are. Tr we're trying to raise Those Latins. They're so funny. <laughs> well, you know, they sound funny apparently. <laughs> but I'll tell you one thing: those ancient Romans, they knew how to throw a party. If you saw the new Spartacus, you know they were partying all the time. Did you yeah. see that? I'm I cannot watch some of it. That's all they do. I can't watch Xena. Uh, you know the same. <laughs> I gotta watch it. I gotta watch it after dark. In slow motion. Late. Okay, we understand. Switch. Let's get to yes. tales from the fringe. Tales from the fringe. Switching. What's okay. Well, as you know, yes. I love to go retro when it comes to the UFO phenomenon. And there was a great writer, Harold T. Wilkins. He and uh, people like Frank Edwards and John Macklin would write these great uh, books uh, full of different incidents, different, you know, kind of an anthology series. Uh, Wilkins wrote things like Captain Kidd and his Skeleton Island, Flying Saucers Uncensored, Strange Mysteries of Time and Space. Well, I'm taking an excerpt from uh, his book, Flying Saucers on the Attack. And the, the foreword, it's, it says, the title is A Foreword and a Warning. And what he does, he quotes from a novel by H.G. Wells. Yes. I'm going to read that quote. 
We have learned now that we cannot regard this planet as being fenced in and a secure abiding place for man. We can never anticipate the unseen good or evil that can come upon us suddenly out of space. Before the cylinder fell, and we might say in contemporary times, yes. before Kenneth Arnold's sighting in 1947, there was a general persuasion that through all the deep of space, no life existed beyond the petty surface of our minute sphere. Mm. Now we see further. And of course, that's from War of the Worlds. Um, now, in his book, uh, he, uh, the, the, the preceding chapter to the one I'm going to be talking about, uh, he talks about the Foo Fighters, and we've talked many times about the Foo Fighters. Not the band, the show, not the about band. How they were seen by our guys and their guys, yes. and everybody thought it was somebody else's technology for a while, until it turned out it was something far stranger. But then he moves into the next chapter. He gets into these really bizarre sightings, and uh, Wilkins points out that uh, in not all of these sightings, they were pretty much calling them flying saucers in these days. This was, uh, this book was written, I think in, uh, it was 1954, this book was published. So this is only, uh, you know, a few years after Kenneth Arnold's sighting. And he, he said that, uh, you know, mostly we're talking about glowing spheres, uh, metallic looking craft and so forth. But on October 9th, 1946, between 7.25 and 7.25 PM and 9 PM over San Diego, uh, a lot of people were out at this time because there was a uh, there was a meteor shower going on, and uh, uh, so everybody was kind of looking up at the heavens. Well, this one uh, witness described something in the sky as a huge bat, and uh, like I say, there were many people out looking skyward because of the meteor shower. I believe the Draconid meteor shower, and uh, which uh, forms because of the of the tail of uh, one of the comets that uh, circumvents our solar system. Now, there were uh, Wilkins uh, contacted 16 witnesses, and about half of them said that this craft, this thing, actually had wings and were bat like wings. Yes. And uh, they could see this, it was like passing over the disk of the moon. Um, it, uh, it, uh, some described it as kind of like a long plane with two red lights. Hmm. So this thing just doesn't make any sense at all. Maybe it was the uh, bat. It moved, sometimes it moved at a tremendous speed, it was kind of a bluish white color. Uh, one woman that uh, he spoke to said that whatever it was, it certainly was was not a plane. Uh, the wings actually moved and, and the wings were too wide for a plane. They were more like butterfly wings. So this is this, you know, uh, makes all kinds of uh, has all kinds of contradictions. Sense. Yet several credible people saw essentially the same thing. Now, this was uh, seen over San Diego and, and some uh, different parts of Southern California. Mm -hmm. uh, some said it remained stationary for a while. Uh, and sometimes it moved very slowly. Sometimes it left a trail of luminosity behind it. Uh, and one astronomer had taken photographs, uh, time-lapse photographs of the moon. And afterwards, she checked and found a strange vapor trail that shouldn't have been there. So uh, the general consensus was it was some kind of craft or even spaceship. Uh, and it was seen overhead most of the night. And again, the rate of speed changed. Sometimes it was brilliantly illuminated and sometimes it went dark. Uh, there was also occasional flash of light associated with it, and uh, sometimes <clears throat> uh, it would leave kind of a, a luminous trail behind it. So and now we're going to get back to 1946 in just a moment. Wilkins uh, diverts, and he actually talks about a couple things that were probably first written by Charles Ford. He talks about a Dr. F.B. Harris, who in the 1912 issue of Popular Astronomy, he, he says, uh, he, through his telescope, on the evening of January 27th, 1912, I saw an intensely black object like a crow poised upon the moon. I estimated it to be 250 miles long by 50 miles wide. Uh, I cannot think that there is must be a very interesting phenomena that happened there. Uh, Signor Rico of the observatory 
at uh, Palermo, Sicily wrote that on November 30th, 1880, at 8 a.m., he saw winged bodies in two long parallel lines slowly traveling across the disk of the sun out in space. They looked like large birds or cranes. Okay. Uh, so you know, I, don't know, I don't know how we explain this, uh, but these are some of the, uh, the bizarre things that uh, Charles Fort delighted in bringing forth in his books. There were, uh, a Mrs. Ella Young, and we're back in 1946, uh, she contacted a gentleman named Mead Lane. Now Mead Lane was a, uh, the, the guy that ran the Borderland Sciences Association. Yes. <clears throat> and he preceded, we talk about John Keel a lot, of course. Mead Lane was a uh, early proponent that some of these craft may not actually be extraterrestrial, but might may in fact be living beings or some kind of etheric beings. Uh, so she reported, uh, Miss Ella Young reported to Mead Lane that she saw something back in 1927 at, uh, at the Casa Madrana Hotel in Sausalito. Yes. She saw, she said, a, a cigar-shaped object shoot out of a cloud. It streaked across the sky. At first she thought it was a Zeppelin, but as she looked at it, okay. it was kind of a classic cigar-shaped object, which we've heard a lot about. And uh, it, it wasn't, uh, the speed wasn't fixed. Uh, I mean, the, the structure wasn't fixed. Mm -hmm. It was kind of, it was moving almost like a snake or worm or something. It would, uh, it was alternating and elongating its body to create movement. So it seemed in the sky. Switchy. And then it disappeared into a cloud. Hey, again. switch, switch. Yes. Can I interrupt you just yes. to ask Raven a question? Absolutely. And this is only because Juan Juan handed me a note to ask you this question. Do you think the cigar-shaped object and everything you talking about, a little phallic, is there a little phallic uh, angle I mean, to this? Well, I've, I've heard of that. I've watched quite a few documentaries about the, the phallic objects. Yes. You know. Okay. You just have to get your mind out of the gutter. To, to, Juan Juan. People yeah, with weirdo. class understand no, it. it. Nope. You'll nope. See Check the tape. He's handing me a note. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to jazz up the show. Go ahead, please. <laughs> Switch. Well, you know, there's no notes here about phallic imagery, so I, I'm not. I can't, I can't answer. Let's that. make but, them up. <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, now so, I'm getting embarrassed. Okay. So anyway, this now. particular story by Ella Young came to light because she was one of the witnesses in 1946 that saw this bat-like object, and uh, she said that they were on high ground near Morro Bay. The sun had just set, and they spotted a dark object in the sky. It was heading toward them, and she could clearly see bat-like wings. Uh, it disappeared in, in, uh, into a, a cloud, and uh, Afterwards, uh, she said a flush of color spread over the sea, but there's no indication of where that came from. Now, but fortunately, we have an answer to what this thing was, because Mark Probert, he was a medium and channeler, and uh, Mark Probert, now he was a kind of another big name at the time in certain circles. Uh, he's mentioned in the uh, Flying Saucer Pilgrimage by Helen and Bryant Reeve, uh, two people from Detroit that ran the, the Detroit Flying Saucer Club. Uh, they went all across the uh, U.S. talking to, uh, you know, supposed contactees and people that claimed uh, uh, conversations with the Space Brothers. Well, they, they also interviewed Mark Probert. Well, he saw this object and he said now through his uh, his uh, cosmic uh, connections or or whatever, he, he got a message from these space people as to what they were. So we finally we have an answer. He said they came from a planet west of the moon. OK. This machine is called a Corita or Corita. The ship is, is attracted at this time to the earth because the earth is emanating a column of light, which makes it easier to approach. Hmm. Okay. The that? inhabitants have an advanced knowledge of anti-gravity propulsion and propulsion. It has, it's made of 10,000 parts. This sounds very classic channeling uh, mumbo jumbo. 
the motor is, is run by electricity uh, and it runs the, the craft and makes the wings move. The wings are made of balsa wood yes. coated with some kind of a special alloy. So, and the people inside are very non-aggressive, very chilled out. Uh, they fear to land, but they really want to make contact. And uh, they would be willing to meet a committee of scientists on a mountaintop. Mm. Okay. So that's the channel message from Mark Probert. So uh, obviously some of this is uh, pretty out there and, uh, you know, channel messages are what they are. Yes. Uh, very, uh, uh, I think you could say uh, unreliable to say the least. And, uh, although it's very interesting with, with channeling, there is, there are some, uh, there are some themes that show up with different people. Some of the same alleged entities, the names show up. Hmm. Uh, some of the same themes are there, but you never know what you're going to get from this. Right. But if you, if we back up, uh, and look at this, uh, you've got uh, several witnesses that have seen something very, uh, you know, uh, UFOs are common. Yes. Uh, uh, people seeing the cigar-shaped craft, the disc in the sky, mm -hmm. uh, strange lights and so forth. But uh, there have been other uh, instances where people have seen some kind of a sort of a cigar-shaped craft, and it looks like it has wings that are flapping. Mm -hmm. So you get all these uh, aberrations. Um it's funny they're flapping. Uh, I'd like to ask Bill something, actually. Yes, I do too. Uh, uh, Bill, you, I know you did some uh, remote viewing, and yes. uh, you, you did some in the in the you know in a, a UFO kind of stuff as blind targets. Did you ever get anything that was just uh, really bizarre out there? I mean, uh, you know, you, you've seen uh, uh, some of the remote viewers have seen what they think, look think are craft, maybe see entities inside. But do you, do you ever see anything that is just so off the beam that doesn't make any sense at all? <sighs> Last time I talked about the uh, the abduction in the uh, Bay of, I think it's San Mateus. Yes. Right. Uh, east of Argentina. Yep. Uh, that was terrifying. Just tell us. Uh, tell us again. I, tell us. Tell the story okay, again, please. Uh, I'll, I'll try to speed it up here. Uh, in April of 885, uh, I worked a site for, uh, for Skip Atwater, who was the monitor at that time and was very interested in UFOs. Uh, I had no idea what the site was or where we were going, but uh, he gave me geographical coordinates, middle of the, off the coast of Argentina. And I identified the site as, as water and land a ways away to the west and nothing else here. That was in April 85. He then moved me in time, which is a stage three process, back to 1981 when something should be uh, perceivable and there was a uh, argentine minesweeper in the in the bay on routine patrol very professional uh and then i skipped forward to morning and he had to move me back and forth because it was a it was a terrifying sight okay that's the only time i i my subconscious has tried to avoid a site Go ahead. but i i got to the site and uh what was happening was there was a huge craft, metallic, over the uh, this minesweeper. Uh, there was lights. It was almost like a negative, uh, reds and blacks, and the sea was boiling. There was also something under the ocean. Okay. And as we went along, uh, the, the, the people, most were running and screaming. Uh, the, the ship smelled of, of insanity and fear. It was just permeating everything. And... Uh, some people stayed at the stations, tried to do what they could do, but there was just, you know, nobody could take charge. Mm -hmm. And uh, people were being sucked up into this this craft. Uh, the people in the craft were, were unemotional. They were, I couldn't tell, there was no sex among these people. Um, they were just 
and they weren't people, they were entities, mm -hmm. but they were on caring, on feeling, uh, on emotional. They were interrelated, uh, intertwined in some way. They were all mm -hmm. almost like ants in a colony. Like a hive mind? Uh, yeah. Say again? Like a hive mind? Like, kind of like that, uh, but they were just, there was some relationship between them mm -hmm. that they were all interrelated in some way but unemotional uh, you said human. but without emotion without emotion unemotional there's no emotion like someone picking a the, bug uh, studying a yeah. bug or something yep yeah. okay go ahead please yeah, that was they were just uh, the uh we did some stage fives afterwards and it was uh actually the, the things that came out was uh it was experimental it was uh, biological it was uh uh from knowledge it was, it was temporary <clears throat> A lot of information came out. I was on the site for almost two and a half hours, hmm. which is a long time to be on the signal line if it's tiring. Right. But uh, there was also something under the water that was important. It was bubbles. It was a colony type thing. And uh, if you look up San Mateus, there's uh, rumors that there is one of the uh, 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 underwater sites there for the aliens. Okay. I have no idea. But you know, I have been very afraid many times in my life. And when I think back now about those, you know, when I was shot at or jumping out of a plane or coming off a mountain or something, yep. I think I was afraid then. But I don't feel the fear. I just think I was afraid. But when I think back to this site, I, yep, I, I have goosebumps now. I'm afraid now. I, I feel fear thinking back to that site. I just want to say. And I wasn't really there. Right. That's but I was there it. in a way. So let and me just there was a uh, tremendous sense of gravity. The skin was pulled tight across the face. I couldn't get my feet off the ground, off the deck. Wow. So, I, I just yeah. want to I just want to remind I everyone more, I don't want to take that, that 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 Bill Ray ran the US Army's remote viewing program for two and a half years, correct? Or even longer. Uh, about two years. Okay. And so I was there three and a half years as a viewer. Okay. My last eighteen months, twenty four months, I was the commander. So we got about you were trained by Ingo Swan. Yes, Famous English. We were trained by English. Oh, we got like three minutes left. I just want to ask you one question, Bill. So, what do you think it was? I think it was aliens. I think it was they—they they were completely devoid of any feeling. Mm -hmm. uh, they were, yeah. In, in their benevolent experiment, it was biological. Yeah, 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 yeah. They were—they were gathering information. You hear that a did, lot. I—I I think there was the fear, the insanity was was generated it wasn't the normal fear mm -hmm. that you get you know when you're being shot at or you're jumping out of the plane no it wasn't that kind of fear it was an insane intense kind of fear wow wow we <laughs> I, I just wonder if, if they remote viewers remote viewed you know an incident like this where people were seeing this strange craft with bat wings i mean that just throws it into another realm right. a, a lot of people yes. see these things and so there's, there's something there whether it's an apparition or something physically real right but then you wonder well what you know, just to, to, to us, we want to think linear, and it's either a craft. Uh, but why does it have bat-like wings? It doesn't make any sense. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. one thing we find when we talk to people who see a, a a flying saucer is quite frequently they remember that they've seen these in the past. This wasn't the first one they've seen. Yes. Yep. Exactly. But it's the, the memory goes away until something else happens, and it comes right. It comes up again. So listen, it's, we have uh, three minutes so, now. So, so Switchy, thank you for that report. Thank you very much. Let's let's give a round of applause to Switchy. Huh? Oh boy, you really got to sweeten that one up, Switchy. And, and thank, okay, eighteen bucks. And, and thank you to Ray for uh, uh, helping to fill that out. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, all right, that's really. I, I heard uh, Paul Smith talk about that incident 
uh, some yes. time ago, but not in that, as much detail. And that was just uh, uh, really fascinating. Hey, Bill, yeah. can I ask you a question uh, before we go? Monaco and I worked at Paul Tribe, but couldn't get on target. Yeah. So listen, uh, Bill, before we go, when you, uh, you know, looked in the future of the past, did you ever see yeah, Juan Juan with a rat's tail? Did that image of her? It was wicked cool, though. Uh, well, Juan with the rat's tail is it's a little scarier than, yeah. than Agent X with the... Uh, they didn't really call it a yeah, rat's tail. No. They just well, called it a tail. A bun, novel is. It was graded for crying out loud. Uh, listen, before we go, I have to read this. And this is, <laughs> we mentioned this earlier in the show. And this was the uh, fish sauce that uh, people in ancient Rome just couldn't get enough of. Okay. They just put it over everything. I'm just going to. Especially for breakfast? Uh, especially for breakfast, but just uh, all day long. Okay. And I'm going to tell you uh, how they made it. Um, what it's made of is uh, the intestines of fish are thrown into a vessel and assaulted. And small fish, especially whatever, uh, small mullets, there's that word again, uh, are uh, just basically small fish are all salted in the same manner. And they are seasoned in the sun, frequently turned. And when they have, quote unquote, seasoned in the sun, that's when the gurum, that's what they call it, is taken from it. Now, a small basket of close texture is laid in the vessel filled with the small fish already mentioned. And the garum will flow into the basket. And they will take up what has been percolated in the basket, the fish, okay, the fish, right? And then which is called whatever, and the remainder is called feculence, and that's the sauce. I think that's what you throw up. Is I think that's the sauce. Yes, I think feculence is what the fish uh, excreting as they're eating all this boiling kind of. Yeah, oil. I get it. No. Okay, how about no. that? You know, me? I'm gonna straight up bomb. <laughs> ketchup, all over the place. bomb. <laughs> no, bomb. Ketchup for me is fine. I think Gibson identified this as one of the reasons for the fall. They fall. The yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't doubt. So it's wait, it's fish intestines with little fish, right. And other fish, right. Just set out in the sun, and then they flip them, and that's the sauce. No, no, no. Then they put them in well, boiling oil, you, and they if you're put. You're eating that. How can you? How can you hold back the uh, awards at the gates? Right. You're in the bathroom. They, they, <laughs> they put fish Good in there, point. and the, the fish eat that stuff, and what the fish excrete, that's the sauce. That's right. Okay. Oh. Okay. Wow. And, and you know what's weird? When we Googled it, it said it's making a comeback. Okay. So watch it next time you go into it. No, it's not. Italian restaurant. No, it's not. <laughs> Believe it or not. Stop. So it's in the man bun. Big that fish never goes yeah. Okay, right. So anyway, let's let's start thanking people. Bill, Bill Ray, I love that bomb. I'm gonna bomb. Bill Ray, thank you very much for joining us. Okay, do it again. That's the title tonight. Some kind, sometime soon. Yes. Okay, can we go to the racetrack? Can we do something? Can we get something going for the orphans? Racetrack. Vegas. Uh, yeah, lotto numbers. How about lotto numbers? No. Numbers don't come through. No, that's what they all say. It, okay. it works that way. That's letters don't come through normally. Bill, thanks very much. Okay, we'll talk to you very, very soon. But he would Thank already you. know that one. one. <laughs> yeah. he'd, know, he'd know the day and, and the time. Okay. X, you're it, next it on the very list. very cool, the rat's tail. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure it is. That's another show. Do you want to do another show devoted to the rat's tail? Yeah. And you're walking around in Somerville with a rat's tail? I was talked into getting the rat's tail. You're lucky you're here. Yeah, I'll bet. Uh, <laughs> X, if Raven is giving thumbs up on a rat's tail, then we're going to have to discuss it off air. X. Thanks for joining us. Okay, he looks like he has a rug too. Him and Switchy. Have you been in touch with each other? Okay, excellent. I've seen Steve in person, <laughs> and he's seen me in person. We don't have rugs. Go ahead. We don't wear hats and dark glasses. That's just the indoors. Natural okay. humans. Hey, Wawan, you. <laughs> That's exactly what you were doing. Oh, I don't know. He's pointing to something. We're a radio show. Let's see. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Were well, you showing us? Okay. Are you getting a Yuba home tonight? How are you getting home? 
Huh? No, I'm never fine. mind. I'm fine. So, okay, he's fine. I have uh, thank you, Hex. Okay, those are really, I hate to hear those words, you know that. <laughs> Wait, I'll put my shades back. Hex, thank you for my busy schedule for joining us. All right? And for being the sacrificial lamb like me and that fixed trivia contest. If they had asked those first 10 questions, you know, the second 10, if they were the first 10, I would have been in the in the running. In the round. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, come on. What the, what the, you know, Phil, I love Phil, and I know he did a lot of research, but why did Rommel go home? Why wasn't Rommel there in D Day? Come on. Kind of easy. You saw that in the movie, didn't you? Important. In the movie everywhere. Comic books. Anyway. Longest day. Longest day. That's all you yeah, have to do. Pay right. attention. Uh, and who played him? James Mason? Was James Mason? Uh, yeah. Yeah, in the longest day. Um, yeah, he's played Rommel a couple of times. Yeah, he's a, he goes he's, right into the Rommel thing. When I see Rommel, I, I see James Mason. Me too. James Mason. <laughs> okay, we got to go. Thank you, X. Okay. Thank you, Switchy. Switchy. Thank you, Bill. We'll do it soon. <laughs> Thank you, Coco. I'm leaving Raven for last. Thank, let's salute Coco. Let's do it really quick. Okay. All right. Okay, ready? Yes, the winner. Call it ten, off. Ten. Hit. Whoa. Bill. Oh, there. Okay. Oh, man. Did you see his salute? Yeah. His I like Ravens. Because we can see her tattoo. He's squared away. Yeah, but he's squared away. Yeah, the army guy. Okay, thank you. Thank you, everybody. And I should say that if you're hearing us now, send us an email with your name and your email address to be put into the Magic Fishbowl to be picked out by our winner, Coco. Uh, and uh, you'll win the uh, European Risk game. I guess uh, they'll say it's very weighty. It weighs a lot. So yeah. it must be, you know, good quality. Good. So just send a um, your email address to uh, wingman.com and... Um, Get into the magic fishbowl, okay? Uh, so, yeah, what's that address again? Um, wingman.com. Well, what do you get, Oh, it's, you're giving it, I thought you were giving an email address. No, just if they go on wingman.com, they'll oh, see well. the radio show, the oh, book. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Uh, so, uh, anyway, thank you for correcting me, though. Well, thank you. Wasn't yeah. sure. I mean, who knows? I should send an email to myself, see what happens. And I'd go <laughs> in the magic fish. I would win. Right. With, with the, the fix is in already. The fix is in already. That's the way my mind goes. <laughs> Uh, also, we want to say um, that uh, uh, Homes for Our Troops, Homes for Our Troops is a uh, charity. Please go online and uh, look for them. Homes for Our Troops, military charity. What they do is that they build houses specially adapted for uh, wide vet veterans who lost limbs in uh, the Afghan and Iraqi wars. Uh, they build them specially for them so they can get around a little bit easier. Then they give them the keys. No mortgage, nothing. They deserve it. Homes for Our Troops, please go on Google, uh, look them up, and uh, donate. 88 cents of your uh, donated dollar goes towards our veterans. That's a very, very high uh, number in the uh, charity definitely, world. Definitely. Homes for our troops. Also, People's Mosquito People's Project. People's Mosquito. There you go. Man, where did you get the button? I didn't get a button. I can't tell you. I gotta t you can't tell me? <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Um, so, uh, the People's Mosquito Project. You got to be a member. Also, okay, thank you. It's, it's, and, you have to, and you have to volunteer to go on this maiden voyage. Is it because I'm from Dodgeston? I'm, I'm tell having, me. My, Eileen's making a scarf, especially for the occasion. Oh, really? You're going to have some cool glasses. Put a little parachute on it. Take yeah, it from Oakley, me. Oakley flying goggles. Wow. Okay. So... <laughs> People's Mosquito Project, they're putting back together a mosquito war plane from World War II. Made wood, two Rolls-Royce engines, fastest thing in the war for about two and a half years. So fast, it could outrun the bullets. I've always wanted to say I rode in the Rolls. Well, <laughs> I rode down in the Rolls, man. <laughs> so you're going up on the first flight. Is that you're going to be I the first so, yeah. civilian? Yeah. No parachute. I no shoot? I don't think there's room for a parachute. Oh, okay. Oh, that's what they told you. Talk about over-unders. Thank you. Uh, thank you, everyone uh, listening. Oh, we're a podcast now, and we're on Apple Podcasts, Podbean. 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 Spotify. Spotify? And Stitcher. Stitcher. You name it. We're there. Yeah, yeah. yeah just Google. Acrimony's Military Exile. Just Google. You get about 15 hits of yep. where, we, where yep. we stream. And we just passed. We just got a badge. We should say this, right? We just got a badge for 50,000 downloads. Okay? Some kind of a... 
Did we get an actual badge from or pod, a medal? From Podbean. Yeah, we got a we got a medal. Uh, okay. We got a, a graphic that you could put on your website. Nothing. Is anything I can put on my hat? Like you, yeah, there's close. like a little thingy. Oh, really? A little thingy? We don't want to hear that. Thingy. Let's see. Yeah, yeah it's like a my bobber. You know. Oh, I think I'm a bobber. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow, switchy. Automatically switches mine goes in. All right, so listen. So uh, thank you very much, and for listening in, and hopefully following the uh, World War II trivia contest. Coco, once again, congratulations for winning. Yeah, good job. Contested, but we're gonna good say job, Coco. for yeah. now. Salute. You are the winner. Okay, there he is. He can't believe it. He's like the kid from uh, Mission Accomplished. If- as usual. Left at home, home alone. Uh, Outstanding. Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. And one, one, of course, thank you to you. I know you live for this, correct? I do. I love this. Okay. All right. Thank you. I like to do it all day, every day. Really? Yeah. All day, every day. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if I could take that, but, you know, who knows? Raven, did I say goodbye to you? If, if not, I'm going to say goodbye again. <laughs> you know, okay. Bye. You, you, and your, you and your bun, okay? Bye, Raven. I think the bun is growing on me. Yeah, I kind of like the bun now. You know, at the beginning of the show, not really, but <laughs> thank you. Right, so anyway, yeah, it's so, hard to get used to. I mean, and it's hard for me to get used to because I always wear hats. Hmm. So okay, so now I actually have to do something. But if let me just ask you, if you're significant, sort of like the never-ending ending. Yeah, if your significant other ever had a bun, would that be it? Right, game over. Correct. Oh, it'd be divorce papers. Bada boom. Immediately. There you go. Sorry, bye. That's okay. That's all right. Like you know, some tough love. We knew growing up, a bun on a guy is just something for you to hold his head while you're punching. Oh, him see, you know, where's, where's, where's that all aggression coming from? Please. Do you know that was my high school nickname? Uh, what was it, bun? Yeah. <laughs> I'll show you to my yearbook. <laughs> I'll bring it in. I'll he's show telling you. us now. It's the two hours. Oh. oh my God. Okay. Why don't we end it that? Thank you, everyone. <laughs> no, it was not. Listening. That's another show. An entire show. A man called Bun. I can prove it to you. Okay, I can't wait for that. All right, why don't we get out of here? Thank you very much, everyone listening. And this is Mac for the entire gang saying, until you hear us again, be safe, be happy, and bye-bye.